Monday night, Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And today is the day of celebrating all things indigenous. indigenous. Which is really good for me because I love indigenous stuff. Celebrate the Italians as well. Okay. But I'm not going to entertain that. But who are we not celebrating? We're not celebrating Christopher Columbus, obviously. But I thought he was a great man. Yeah, no, not so much. Christopher Columbus. I think by now, anybody who watches our show knows the deal. And at some point, we can even stop even mentioning him. It's kind of like how I feel about the media person that I don't like to talk about. Like at some point, let's stop even talking about Christopher Columbus and we'll just talk about indigenous people. And I like that we use that term because it makes it almost more global. And other countries do have that. Canada has their first nations, first people, they call it first peoples. Um, but it's in June. Mm. It's in June. But so other countries have, uh, you know, things like that as well. But yes, I like the whole idea of Indigenous Peoples Day. And I think we should stop mentioning he who should not be named. <clears throat> I think we could do that. Um, you know, it's like, let's talk about the positive things, the good things, things we want to change, things we want. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we can tell you every year that Christopher Columbus was a rapist and a murderer and committed a genocide. And he did all of those things like there, there is no, like he's a very unredeeming person. And by the way, didn't set foot on this on the contiguous country. So I, I just find it very ridiculous. For those, for those who are defending Mr. Columbus, uh, <laughs> maybe they could actually answer that question. Hey, where did he actually step foot on this continent? He didn't. He was okay. in the islands. But but what, what's interesting is um, it's I will not entertain that discussion given by or around the Italian people. I just won't. You guys are ridiculous. I love all things Italian. Like, like that isn't even a thing, but would we be celebrating Mussolini day? And if I were, if I objected to that, would I then be anti-Italian? So the fact that we're taking someone who represents one of the worst people of Italian history culture, and they're, please don't tell me that's the hill you want to die on. Like that's, it, it just let it go. Seriously, don't be ridiculous and think there's anything anti-Italian about it. That's just silly. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, the Italians have been discriminated against for so many years. Yes, but this is not that. No, this is not. No, this is ridiculous. I, I, like, that's just silliness to me, you know? So, you know, when you don't like someone who's not a good person historically does not mean you dislike that that person's entire heritage. No, but it is kind of interesting, the people that get so caught up in the whole, well, you're not really, you know, you're discriminating against Italians and that's what this is. No, 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 no. <laughs> and of course, most of that is all centered on a very conservative part of the United States, which is Staten Island, New York, where a significant is that where portion a lot of, of this the is Italian from? Uh, Americans live. And Staten and Island is pretty conservative. It is. And so they're very prideful about this and they see it one way. And uh, May I suggest to Staten Island people that feel free to even declare today Italian Heritage Day for yourselves. I'm happy to celebrate Italians and indigenous peoples. I don't know why you'd want to share a day. Have a day, have an entire, have a week, you know, like, but it's like, this is not the person that we're celebrating. And anymore. again, so Italian, <laughs> Italian heritage is celebrated in the United States probably as much as any heritage. I mean, the culinary, the arts, um, Seriously, people. The that's why I won't entertain it. It's silly. Television. You know, we've we've become there's a there's a fascination and almost a romanticism about the La Cosa Nostra in this country, and that by Italians in Italy standard is considered the lowest of the low. Yet here in the states, we celebrate it every day. We talk about the Sopranos nonstop, Goodfellas, The Godfather, 
you know, there is so much to be said. Uh, thank you very much, Mario. Much appreciated. Thanks, Mario. Chris, I mean, Scott, couldn't expect you to show up for anything other than some silly. Oh, he just, I, he just wants to see Anna Kasparian's butt. Yeah. That's a little, she is cute. Like I have to tell like, she is cute. She's attractive. Like it's not, you know, like a ridiculous thing to want to see, Eh. you know, I don't want to get me too. So I'm not going to say anything. I don't really know how a woman can't get me too if she's not doing something really egregious like a man would be doing. Yeah, well, I just mean I don't want anybody to tell me like even me talking about Anna's butt, but you know, she's cute. I don't mind people looking point, at people. Gina. It's a good point. And so today, it as is, a federal though. holiday, it is, is regarded because it is Columbus Day. And it isn't anymore. Is- Joe Biden has changed changed it last year. It's Indigenous Peoples Day federally. Oh, he did? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, there are some states that also have Well, in that case, it. should definitely get reelected. Florida first. does not recognize it. However, Florida didn't recognize Columbus Day either. So I don't, I, that then that doesn't bother me. Then I don't take an issue with that. So Florida didn't have official Columbus Day. Like our state offices, state stuff is was open. It wasn't recognized here. So it just depends on the state. Uh, but it is now Indigenous Peoples Day, yeah. which is good. And that pleases me. And to that end, we have Indigenous guests. Yes, we do. We actually have two. And I think it's very important that, and again, we don't ever want to be gratuitous about this. No, it's, well, it just so happens that today is the type of day where people will actually pay attention to the needs and the wants of the indigenous communities of this country. Indigenous. Indigenous. Did I say indigenous? You're. You throw those words. So <laughs> we know it isn't. It's not a tokenism thing. It's a why would we not want to talk to people about indigenous issues on the day when most people are paying attention to it? That's and correct. there also happens to be a really good candidate that just honestly. We would have had her on at some point anyway. Like we would, the fact that she happens to be a native people doesn't like we would have had her on anyway. No, I definitely agree with that, and I think that you know you never want to be just patting somebody on the head because that's was part of it. But if this was the only time we talked about issues like this, then I'd say that's a problem. But we've we've talked about indigenous stuff without it being any particular day. So just make sure you guys are all smashing that like button commenting, sharing, doing all that wonderful stuff. Uh, Lynette Grable should be here any minute. And then we're also going to be speaking with, it's Vincent Vincent Schilling. Vincent Schilling. And he is from, it's the, I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not going to. We'll wait for him to explain. Well, it's the Mohawk is the greater tribe, okay? And then his part of that is, I can't pronounce that, and I don't want to do that. So, and it is, my understanding, it's the only Mohawk tribe that still is recognized in the United States, and it takes up a sliver of upstate New York. It's predominantly, it's in here, and it's here and in Canada. Yeah, it crosses over, and it also crosses over both Ontario and Quebec. So it's Ontario, Quebec, and New York all have this, and it's the only place in this country that we have Mohawk tribe, which I think is just, you know. We're going to do things a little bit in reverse order since we're already getting started. But guys, if you are so inclined, we appreciate any and all support. Jen, we have a very big event coming up on Wednesday. We are on Wednesday. We are going to the Mobile School Pantry cocktail party. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But you scheduled a show for Wednesday. I did, didn't I? Uh, well, are you sure that's on Wednesday? Because it wasn't. I, yeah, I forgot to Wednesday. move it. Yeah, to, it's on Wednesday. It's on Wednesday. I All forgot right, to move to, it. 
I'm going to have to come up with something. Um, I forgot well, it was Wednesday too because it's not on the calendar. Well, the event starts, I think, at like 5.30 or 6 o'clock or something like that. So. so what you're saying is we could do an 8 o'clock show. Yeah, probably. Or 8.30, something like that, either way. Uh, we'll adjust and just not have to change it because I don't want to mess with uh, Jamaral. Well, <laughs> we never want to do that. No, um, so that's the thing, guys. So um, Jamaral Thomas is going to be on Wednesday um, talking about Ukraine, which is, a you know... <laughs> now getting to be what I expected to happen. Yeah, it is always going like to be war drums benefit, banging. Always, war drums banging. Always going to be to the benefit of the military industrial complex. We all know that. It is unfortunate that that is the country we live in today. Um, but of course, we're, why is this not working? Oh, I don't know what you're doing. Just stop for a second. Stop. It's thinking. There, you're stressing ah, it out. No, it shouldn't have taken that long. But oh nevertheless, so I'm just trying to look up some important Okay, I remember when we used to hear the, like, the dial tone and the connection, like the connection and the modem and all that. I remember that. I'm pretty sure this is the current representative. This is the lady, Marissa Selvig. Okay. We all know that this Did is they, So there's only one, right? How many? That's what I was saying, right? Yeah. No, they have multiple districts. They have more than one district. Oh, that's silly. No, there is one congressional district in the entire state of Wyoming. You didn't know that? Well, I'm just looking at this, and it just says something about down here that specifies District 6 for something. Well, the good news is, in the great state of Wyoming, although Jen has an opinion about I that, have an opinion about Wyoming, and I'm going to tell you what my tell, opinion is about tell Wyoming. tell that when she comes up. But as many of you know, thankfully... We don't have to have that warmonger Liz Cheney in the U.S. Congress. I have anymore. an opinion about her, too. But, but unfortunately, she didn't exactly get replaced with somebody who was any better. No. Harriet Hakeman, uh, you know, replace one and another, do the same nonsense. It's like whack-a-mole. Exactly. <laughs> and for a state that is, let's be completely honest, and I've never been there, but it's not just the home of Yellowstone National Park. Wyoming is one of the most beautiful states in the Word, whole country. Word, Michael. Sorry. One of the most beautiful states in the whole country. And to really have an admiration and appreciation for that, you need a representative who actually cares about the sanctity of our natural resources. And of course, we don't really have that right now with the current GOP, especially in a state like Wyoming. No. Good news is, is that there is a lovely lady who is running to represent the state for its at-large seat that I think would do a heck of a lot better than Representative Hagman, but we'll soon know why. Lynette Graybull, welcome to Generational Change. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm busy, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So you are. So explain it to me. And I probably I should know this. I do have a little bit of an attitude against your state. It was actually when we ran in 20 and we raised grassroots like small dollar donations from all over. Wyoming was the only state that I didn't get a donation from. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, know. I thought it was a Dick Cheney thing, like some sort of conspiracy or something that like that. evil man. Oh. Well, you got to remember that Wyoming is the least populated state. There's only 548,000 citizens here in the state of Wyoming. So we're vast, you know, we're spread out. Oh, there's one congressional seat, one seat. One, because of the numbers of the citizens in Wyoming. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And th this is got to be very difficult then. Like I think about you're running a congressional race, but you're running a statewide race. Yes. Like, like for us, those are so vastly different things. Like our congressional district, yeah, it was a pain and there were, it was big, but 
if I, I would say I would never run a statewide race and you're you're running a statewide race, which is how is that like it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because Wyoming, how it's set up, it's it's set up to where there's so many different counties and towns and we're so far apart from each other. So it takes time to get from one town or one city. And, you know, I have to go to all these different counties, which I do love doing. Um, And so, yeah, the the outreach part and getting the voter registration and speaking and meeting everyone is kind of difficult when you live in a rural state. What is that like in terms of voter participation? And, and you can even talk specifically as to um, among Native people, like, is there lower voter turnout than we even see? I would think so. I would think it would be very suppressed. I would think people would be more struggling and not necessarily have time to participate. I mean, just more vulnerable. So what's that like with voter participation there? Yeah, I think the voter participation for the entire state could be better. Um, again, we live in a rural state. Um, the 18 and 30 year old age group are the less um, populated in voter registration. So if we can give voter outreach and voter registration events that cook offs or tailgate parties to get young people to vote, I think that will make a huge impact. Um, but we're talking about the Native American communities. I think nationwide, um, we need to do a lot better on getting Native Americans to vote. Uh, five years ago, I did my own outreach, helping other candidates to get elected and educate my community. And I had a lot of conversations with Native Americans in my community um, that didn't see the value of voting, um, either because they just never felt like they were being represented. Um, there were people who didn't stand up for their values. Um, but here we are in 2022, you know, we have candidates like myself and others who believe in equality, who believe in inclusion, who believe in protecting the environment, or at least considering and having conversations about having Native American professionals uh, at the table. And I think the more and more we talk about that, the more and more we're going to see Indigenous people and tribal communities participate in voter registration and getting out the vote. What do you see as the biggest obstacle? Obviously, Wyoming, like a lot of states in the Great Plains region of this country, are heavily dominated by the GOP. What do you find has been the biggest obstacle that you're running into, whether it is in Cheyenne or Jackson Hole or just, you know, various places throughout the state uh, in the very rural areas where, I mean, I would like to think that in many instances they probably like you, but they probably don't like the Democratic Party. How do you see it? Where are the obstacles like? Yeah, I think because the numbers are so low for Democrats in this state, and of course it's a red state, um, it's, I, I find the same kind of feedback. You know, my vote's not going to really matter. I really shouldn't participate. But, you know, throughout history, we've seen stranger things happen in other states where states were flipped or candidates were able to gain a county or a region. Um, and I think that for those who are really adamant about promoting democracy, defending democracy, you know, standing on our constitutional rights, we will see more more and more people to get involved and help make those turnouts, uh, especially in in an area that we are right now. We're in a weird political realm nationwide. Um, A lot of us want to see us get back to, you know, day-to-day politics, and it's anything but that. Um, We need to see more education, more influence, especially with the younger people. Um, And for us here in the rural state, the more we get people educated in our communities and talking about it in our schools, the better we'll be. What are some of the big issues that Native Americans are facing now, specifically in Wyoming? I know that there is the the missing women issue is is huge um, and not being talked about enough. I know there are things that are very specific to Native Americans. And then there's the run of the mill 
uh, poverty problems and stuff that are just, I think, probably more extreme. And um, is that a big demographic there? Yeah, I mean, a year ago, you know, in, in, in my, especially my organization, I'm a director for Not Our Native Daughters. I founded this organization for the awareness, protection, and the education of missing, murdered Indigenous persons. Um, and so a year ago, when we had the Gabby Petito case come out of Yellowstone, you know, we seen all the news outlets, you know, nationwide, statewide, and even globally uh, call me and call others throughout the state who work on this issue uh, to get feedback, to get insight about Native Americans who've gone missing. And we've seen a contrast when someone, you know, white or non-Native goes missing versus a Native American or a person of color that gone missing. Um, and, you know, you have to agree that there's some differences when it comes to media reporting, when it comes to media outlet you know, describing someone who is missing or even found murdered. Um, you know, Six months ago, or six months prior to the Gabby Petito case, we had a 14-year-old girl in our reservation, in our community that went missing, and she didn't even get local attention. She didn't even get statewide attention. So that is the contrast when we have someone who is white and someone who is Native in our state that goes missing or found murdered, unfortunately. We don't get the same publicity. It's not surprising. You know, I mean, it's just another group that we've othered. And when you other people enough and you make them less valuable. Right. So like somehow you justify any you can justify anything when you've totally devalued someone as less than. And that's where we are with so many things like it's so sad. Like I could cry. It's just pathetic. It's just pathetic. And it's just like I'm just over it at this point. I'm sorry. I agree. I mean, we have 575 tribes throughout our nation here. And how many people know that? How many people know there's 575 tribes? How many people know that we all have different cultures and, you know, tradition? I mean, that I know. That I know. But I didn't know how you. But I'm just saying the larger Americans, how many people? Yeah. Have so that is like a, a detail, a display, like how much more we need to do moving forward and, and understanding our culture and who we are. And today is a great day to do that. Yeah, I agree. Why do you think that there is such an adverse reaction, especially to Native culture? It really boggles my mind because of all the cultures that are represented in this country, the, our first Natives are the ones who care about the environment more than anybody else. Even in red places, people. Yeah. And you would think at this point, it would just become painfully obvious after what just happened with Hurricane Ian, what happens with the wildfires in the western part of this country. Uh, it's getting to the point now where it should be scaring the living shit out of everybody. And I don't think it's near, unfortunately, we as the Americans- The country's on fire. Yeah, we as Americans typically only get involved when it's literally at our doorstep. No, but, we get involved when it affects rich people. Well, that, well, that's true too. But you know what? There's a lot of rich people who have homes in parts like Jackson Hole. So oh, yes. I would imagine that they would care a lot about protecting the environment. So how do you want this day to be recognized and what do you think needs to be done more effectively? Uh, because I think messaging is also one of the, uh, you know, the what I would consider to be the shortcomings of a lot of the non-corporate people involved in politics who do not necessarily understand how to really reach people the right way. It's like if saying the Green New Deal doesn't work, but saying clean energy, you know, I just put this to somebody very simply, living in a state like Wyoming. If you had a choice between a solar field or a hydraulic fracturing well in your backyard, which one are you picking? You're going to pick the solar field. I don't care who the hell you are. I don't care if you're Dick Cheney. We all know what you're going to say. So what do you want to see and how do you see it being most effective in terms of messaging? 
You know, I, I, you know, I agree with you. And, you know, Native Americans are naturally stewards of, of the earth and the climate. Um, we do a good job because we're embedded in that with our culture. Um, however, you know, I think that, you know, we what we see throughout the culture of our nation and our country is that Native Americans are discriminated against still in this day and age. Nobody wants to talk about racism. No one wants to talk about discrimination. You know, I think we have a lot of work to do. I wouldn't say us as Native Americans, but the outer world that lives outside of the tribal communities to understand who we are as people, not just how we live, but also we are also attorneys. We are also educated. You know, we are also play vital roles in different um, aspects of, of different um, entities and business and nonprofits. And, you know, I think this type of imagery and how we're looked upon needs to be um, looked at and discussed a little bit more. And when it comes to the environment, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm working on in my state on a, on a state level is like most of the recreation and the co uh, conservation organizations and entities in my state. And I would just say even the Northern Plains region, they're all led and occupied by by white uh, you know persons and not to say that's not a bad thing that's a great thing but what I'm trying to do is diversify the conservation realm because we need not only more people of color in these fields but we also need more Native Americans in these fields and most of the time like I know for the Native Americans experts and people who've been educated on this and the environment on EPA and water and land and all of these great issues you know most times they can't get jobs in these places because again it's our imagery or discrimination or racism. I mean, I, I've worked in different areas across the nation. I worked in the, the Pacific Southwest and the, I mean, Northwest and Southwest um, out in California. I even did a lot of work on the East Coast as well. But I would tell you that the Northern Plains region, the Dakotas, the Montana, Wyoming, uh, Nebraska region, I mean, it's like going back 100 years in time where discrimination against Native Americans and, you know, these job markets and these places were just not looked at and we're not looked at the same. So I I think a lot of that has to do with us not being in these fields of work. That's the flyover states. Nobody like nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention to what goes on in those places. And the fact that they are highly inhabited by native people just makes it worse. Just makes us less interested in checking out those places and helping the people. But and also, sorry, really quickly, yeah. Northern Plains region. And this is only I only know this because of different statistics and studies that's been done. The the cases that come from missing, murdered indigenous persons in the Northern Plains region are the less likely to be investigated and the less likely to be in any type of media um, compared to the Southwest, compared to the West or East Coast. Um, so that is a that is a huge contrast of why we have such an epidemic, especially in the Northern Plains region. I think also it's because it is so spread out in rural and it is easier for people to sort of like never be seen again. It's not as condensed. It's so much more spread out. And then you have these, you know, oil pipeline people coming in and go moving out and all of that, all that transience. And it's like, it seems like that's the perfect, it's really the perfect opportunity is you find people that are being ignored and then you can, that's where you, so it's like, it's a perfect place for predators. Absolutely. I agree. For somebody that was pretty close to what was happening with the Dakota Access Pipeline, can you, you know, kind of assess as to what what it's like dealing with this significant problem? Uh, you see it from the GOP constantly. They want to talk about us needing to get away from Middle Eastern oil. And I agree with that. But their answer is, let's just throw the shit out of all the land in the northern and plains <laughs> regions of this country instead of saying, 
man, imagine how great it would be to have high-speed rail from Cheyenne to Salt Lake City. Just something like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what we should be talking about. If you could talk about some of the things that could really benefit the Great Plains region of this country. I mean, yeah. you know, to me, high-speed Mass rail is transit just, would just be one, really of, good. one of many. But I would think of all the places in the country, it would be the easiest to have high-speed rail. It's in a state like Wyoming. I agree. And also to add to that, you know, Wyoming has always had a legacy of leading in the energy industry because of the oil, gas and coal. Um, and, I, you know, I, 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 I sympathize with the families who work in these industries because I have family that work in these industries, you know, and I believe that transitional energy to renewable energies is not only the way of the state of Wyoming, but the way that we're moving towards in the country, but also globally. I mean, it's not about if it's going to happen, it's all about when it's going to happen. It's happening globally. globally. And I think Wyoming is in a u- unique position where we can continue to lead in the energy industry by transitioning with a three to five, 10 and 20 year plan to tra- transition to this every year in our state. And I'm pretty sure in nearby states as well, the energy and the coal continues to decrease and we continue to lose Wyomingites moving out of our state to find jobs and, and support their families. We shouldn't be losing Wyomingites. We we should be keeping our families here in the state, but we should also think about our climate and our environment, especially for us in Wyoming, because our backyard, our mountains, our you know things that we do outside and a recreation, fishing. I mean, we have a big tourism uh, enterprise here in the state of Wyoming. We should be working collectively to, to protect that. And we do that by transitioning to renewable energies. And not only does that provide jobs, but it also protects the environment. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Carla Harrington, friend of the show, Wyoming should go full tilt on wind power, the windiest state I've ever <laughs> been in. Uh, it's definitely one of them, that's for sure. Uh, what are the biggest obstacles right now? My, my, have I mean, you ever again, been to Wyoming? I have not. Uh, I, I have not been to Wyoming, but I have been really, really close to the border near, at the Poudre River, which I know does go into Wyoming. But that I went to Colorado for school, so I've been very close, but not quite Wyoming. I want to go to Wyoming. Well, I welcome you both. Oh, <laughs> you can you. To stay at my at my TV. So. As long as you don't take us to the. Do you watch Yellowstone at all? I do. <laughs> as long as you don't take us to the train station, because somehow there is somewhere in Wyoming. And is this okay? So you could tell me if this is true. Is there such a thing as a county that has no population, so there's no sheriff's office, so nobody notices it? Because that's the premise in Yellowstone with how they get away with throwing all the bodies in this in place in Wyoming. I don't think there is like we have 26 counties here in the state of Wyoming. Um, I don't recall any of those 26 that doesn't actually have a population. Okay. But I will say that it's very rural and it's very vast. And, you know, some of that uh, Yellowstone uh, storyline kind of concurs of, of the of the region and the dynamics here. Okay. I am just as critical of the GOP dominating rural states like Wyoming as I am of the Democratic Party dominating a state like California, for example. I don't really think that this is a question of the political parties. I think it's simply the fact that we have a system of government that has been completely captured by corporate special interests. I can only imagine how much money uh, in a state like Wyoming, it's probably not that much money you really have to invest in terms of corporate special interests regarding, let's say, big oil. But would you say that that is the biggest obstacle to any type of systemic change that is needed in the state, that it's basically the big power conglomerates like big oil that have completely captured the GOP, just as they've captured, let's say, the Denson and another state, that is basically preventing the type of 
infrastructural change that the state desperately needs. And as you said, people are leaving all the time for greener pastures, or, or so they assume. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, and I, I don't think I could have said it better, but you're exactly right. Because what you're talking about here is control and power. Um, and we see, you know, big oil companies like the Koch brothers and, you know, other entities who have embedded into the Republican Party to keep them you know, kind of in their pockets. So their their best interest is at play so they can continue to make the millions and billions. So yes, I think that's absolutely correct. It's also absolutely correct here for the state of Wyoming. Those types of politics is a huge role um, and what, what plays on here in the state of Wyoming, but also uh, with, with people who support Republican Party. They they want to continue to lead in, the, in this oil and gas industry. They think this is the way to go, even though they frack in their own backyard. You know, one fracking site takes 500 trucks to frack one site, you know, and, and that's a, that's a huge, and then they go 25,000 feet under, underneath the ground. You know, there's so many uh, scientific and environmental complications to go with all of that. But, you know, in order for us- yeah, to- As somebody who lives in Wyoming, you know, when I have to listen to some, you know, let's just say not so intelligent person, let me tell you. There's a the, lot of them. There are just, there are, to me, I actually am heavily more critical of big city and suburbanite liberals than I am a conservative. Most oh, yeah. conservatives, they just don't know. They were never brought up with the type of education that people in the big city, coastal cities, even in a city like Denver, Colorado, uh, they do not understand just how devastating to the environment and your way of life it is if you have man-made earthquakes from fracking gas. <laughs> like there's this... I mean, think about think about the natives in Oklahoma, because that's where most of the suffering happens in Oklahoma. For those who don't know, it is the Native Americans who live around the Panhandle region, which suffer mightily as a result of the underground man-made earthquakes that completely destroy the value of the land. Again, I could go on and on about this, but the Houston area does, too. Oh, 100 percent. I just th- there is this sort of ignorance to. We have to get away from fossil fuels. How we get away from them or however quickly we get away from them is up to interpretation. We recently had Michael Schellenberger, who ran for governor of California on the show. He's a huge advocate for nuclear. I know a lot of people have an opinion one way or the other about that. But for me, and I'm sure for you and a lot of others that live in that part of the United States, we have to get off of coal and we have to get off of natural gas and we have to do it as fast as humanly possible. I I can't emphasize that enough and Scuba certification is what I'm telling everybody down here. I'm not kidding. You think it's funny. I think they keep building buildings that are going to look like really nice coral reefs. Before before we go, Lynette, how would bring us home? How would you see us getting off of coal and natural gas the fastest? What would you recommend if you were pulling the levers of power in Capitol Hill? If you're in control of Wyoming, what would you do? Well, I, I would the, to first answer that question. I would say elect candidates who are passionate about the environment and understands how detrimental it is to move towards clean and renewable energies. But secondly, yes, if I was elected, I would be sure to lobby and educate those in House or Senate that do not have this understanding, who who maybe can come to a place of reason, reasoning. You know, you mentioned some of the things and some of the things that you said about, you know, just Republicans just going along with, with everybody else. I mean, that's 
clearly the case when it comes to the environment. We see that with Trump supporters. They just go along with the flow. We're not really actually looking at data or research and statistics and scientific views. So it's important to have people who are elected in House and Senate who understand these things, or even if they don't understand it, at least they have the ability and the intelligence to sit down and comb through it and learn about it and see how their constituents and rest of Americans are going to be impacted by it. So I'm one of the things I love of the work of, of, of the political realm, so to speak, is I lobby. I've been lobbying for over 10 years, both on a state and federal level. I am not fearful to meet with anybody and talk with them and have a conversation with them about why this or that is important. And that's one of the things that I would be fighting for and advocating for is the environment and renewable energies and the devastation that having coal industries, you know, reparations, things not done for the environment, um, fracking, what the dangers does that bring? I have no problem having those conversations and I have nobody, no problems putting people on the spot to make sure they answer these questions, not only for themselves, but for the future of their own families and our future as a whole. Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. Guys, if you haven't already, as you can see, the website is right there. GrayBullForCongress.com. Please make sure you get over there because it is exactly one month from tomorrow, election day. So if you are not currently (laughs) donating, phone banking, text banking, or dare I say, if you are anywhere near the great state of Wyoming, that's not Yes, that is possible. Anything is I mean, possible. it's possible, but if I mean, somebody, we don't have like a huge Wyoming audience. Not necessarily. If, if Jen runs for Congress again, Lynette, will you make sure that she gets donations from Wyoming? Absolutely. At least volunteers who do texting or do something. Yeah. Well, and guys, if you can't help in those ways, go to the website, like on the social media and share the social media because that's the, honestly, everyone can do that and it's easy and it's helpful. So do that. Lynette, cannot thank you enough for not only coming on, but for doing what you're doing in a part of the country that probably needs it the most. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lynette. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See, Mario beat me to it. She was lovely. She's not only lovely, she's a great candidate who really understands what is needed there. And again, I do think that low voter turnout and the fact that you... I would... That Wyoming, I, Wyoming's one of the 10 biggest states in the whole country in terms of landmass. Yeah. You know, so having to cover that much ground. But I also think that that's a very cool position to be in because you're talking about somebody that would be representing the whole state. So, no, you're not a senator, but you're, you're representing the whole state of people. Yeah. And that's a pretty really that's a good position to be in. And it would be very specifically good for a native person to be in that position. Carla, thank you so much for donating to Lynette and for anybody else who may be out there. Please make sure that you like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. And before we bring in our <clears throat> next wonderful guest, who is really going to lay the smack down on Mr. Columbus, who has had it way too good for way too long. Uh, not on our show, my No, you. not on our show. I, I stopped really- celebrating that at least 15, 20 years. I mean, like years ago already. Like I've made a point about that. If you are so inclined, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You can become a wonderful supporter of this show. We do on Wednesday have a wonderful event that is coming up. We are going to be supporting mobile school pantries efforts uh, to eliminate hunger. Their cocktail party, which will be... Is it Just Say No to Hunger? Just Say No to Hunger. Just Say No to Hunger. We also have, as Jen has put together, I'm going to get one of them right So these are the kinds of things that the money that comes in, all the money that we get on our show 
goes towards community service. Um, these are hygiene kits that I always am handing out. I keep them in my car and often I pair them with things like boosts and protein bars and stuff and hand them out. So it's just always, you know, just trying to help where we can. And especially for people place. that have suffered from Hurricane Ian, we are going to be making a donation uh, in kind. And that is from you guys. You guys yeah. have really helped out a lot. Oh, special shout out to Catherine Class mm -hmm. because Catherine Class, who is a $10 patron on there, but she actually upped herself and she's $20 patron, which is her own category all to herself, which is really, really I was just going to put her in the 25 category just because it looks good. That's um, fine. You can because okay. that's just very cool that she even did that. Fair so enough. I'm just saying. But anyway, so shout out to Catherine Class. We're very pleased to welcome a gentleman who really understands uh, a lot of what we're dealing with right now. And again, if only for today, we can highlight so much of the truths that need to be said, not just about the history of Christopher Columbus, but about the importance of native culture and what it means for things like the environment, uh, culture, all those things. It, it is so of immense value. And of course, he is the editor of Native Viewpoint. Anything you want to add? Well, yeah, this is what I wanted to add. So I looked that up. So I want to read this. Native Viewpoint is a multimedia, native and indigenous guided storytelling website created in the spirit of the native peoples of Turtle Island and beyond. So, of course, I had to go look up what is Turtle Island because I never heard of that. Now we have, what's the name? There's a place, the Tortuga Island. And I'm like, okay, I know what that is. So what is, what is Turtle Island? Turtle Island is North America. And actually, what's kind of cool is uh, Florida is the back is the back right foot. I'm just saying. So we are Florida is somehow part of like, yeah, it's in the actual turtle design of Turtle Island. And there's a whole story about it, but I didn't have time to read the whole story, but it's really cool. He is the editor of Native Viewpoint, Vincent Schilling. Welcome to Generational Change. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hi. Was I right about the Turtle Island thing? Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, now Turtle Island is refer is um, essentially, you know, the United States and Canada, um, the large part of North America that comes from uh, many stories in Native culture. And, and of course, when I start talking, I always say uh, that I don't speak for all Native people. Certainly right. don't speak for all Native stories or traditions or, you know, things like that. But Turtle Island is... Um, uh, at least for me, uh, I am Aquasasne Mohawk, and uh, my tribe is distinct in the fact that uh, we sit on both the United States and Canadian border. Um, there are, I'm part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, which is made up of many tribes, uh, Oneida, Tuscarora, Onondaga, Cayuga, Seneca, Mohawk, uh, and um, we, you know, kind of make a, for, form a Confederacy in ourselves, and um, the the story that uh, I've always heard and told, and and have even seen many places, is that um, you know uh, it started out when you know the turtle went and it started out in an ocean, and he went down, and he was so giant that he went and got earth from the bottom of the the water, and that became his back, which was Turtle Island. And, and that's the, that's the great story. Um, and of course, there's a lot more to it, and, you know, um, but that, that's kind of the basis of what a lot of people say that Turtle Island is. And, um, you know, it's something that, that, uh, that um, you know, is, is something that's rich in my culture, but also something you could, you know, kids bedtime story, you know, things like that, some kind of fun stuff. 
Yeah. No, I love that stuff. That's why I had to, I always have to look that stuff up. Like that's always <laughs> interesting to me. And then I also love when I hear things that I know from current stuff. So when you say things like Cayuga and Seneca, I've been spending an inordinate amount of time in New York lately because my son goes to Ithaca and I had another son that was spending summers in Buffalo. So I, that whole area. And I'm like, I know those places. And it's kind of cool to like hear that, the connection. Yeah. But we, we don't have to talk about that. We could talk all horrible things about Christopher Columbus. <laughs> we can talk about whatever we want. You know, uh, in native culture is, you know, I, I got to tell you this story so that I can tell you another story. You know, that's just how it goes. We, we talk circularly. And, and uh, when I say we, I, I, I speak in general terms. And I, again, just I'm speaking for me mostly, but that, that's that's how I do it anyways. My, right. And my wife, Dolores, is always like, you're painting the walls, Vince. You're painting the walls. Stop it. <laughs> You know, like, I got to tell a story. Got to tell you this so I can tell you that. So. Right. There's, there's, well, yes, you need context. Mm-hmm. You have to have context. He tells a story. He comes in like th- halfway through and expects me to know the first half of the story. He does it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I don't know who that person is. I don't know what you're, and he just goes right into it. Like, I'm well, gonna, well, he's got to tell you that story so you can lay the foundation for his next story. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, my name is Peter Vincent. And hey, Peter. What has been, uh, what was your impetus to write the article and why do you think so many people have such a hard time letting go of the Columbus mythology, if you will? Well, you know, I, I have uh, been talking about this for years and, and I realized I, I was, uh, I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years, uh, uh, focusing uh, on Native issues for the most part, um, because as a kid, um, now I'm going to tell you this story so I can tell you this story about the yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, grew up, uh, literally in California on Compton Boulevard. Yes, that Compton and, um, you know, just off of Crenshaw and, you know, uh, had my bike stolen once a week. That's just kind of how it went those days and it's all good. Um, but in between my trips to the comic shop and this and that, you know, when I would go to school, I don't ever, ever ever remember hearing anything about Native American culture other than um, uh, Native Americans live in a teepee. It's about it. Uh, that's, and I really can't any other, or, or, yeah, the, the pilgrims and the pilgrims and the Indian, yeah. which is also a, a, a lie. It uh, <laughs> actually never happened. Uh, not in the way that uh, Lincoln tried to tell it. Um, but so I realized that, uh, you know, in reading about Christopher Columbus, I see a lot of people saying, well, Columbus is a jerk. Columbus is terrible. And so I, I was trying to find some research and I didn't see much on it, you know, and I was like, wait, what? So I went and I said, you know, to myself, I am going to write a story telling people as much as I can from a native perspective, an indigenous perspective, because depending on who writes the story, um, they will, you know, focus on certain aspects more so than something else. And as opposed to Christopher Columbus being called a hero, I wanted to look at what really happened. So I went in, I dug, dug deep. I read his journal. Um, I read his, his journals, his writings, his letters, uh, letters of others, letters of people who were there. History is based upon, you know, carried down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, read probably hundreds of articles online and, and nothing really formed everything that I wanted. And so I, what I really found was lie after lie after lie. And I'm like, that is just really not true at all. 
So I decided that I, I uh, wanted to write something that kind of addressed all of that. And the very first article I wrote on it was uh, myths and atrocities of Christopher Columbus. And boom, it went viral big time. And it's been shared every year since. And, and I used to work uh, as a journalist and later an editor and then a television producer for Indian Country Today. And, um, you know, now I, I uh, got a, a, a really wonderful book deal with Random House that I'm working on now and, uh, and left Indian Country Today on very friendly terms. I love them all dearly. And, uh, but I still wanted a place to kind of write, do my stuff. So I, I created and founded Native Viewpoint and I've been writing there since. So, um, you know, uh, Columbus needed to be addressed and Columbus needed to be taken down a peg, you know, as far as I was concerned, because I got tired of every single solitary Columbus <laughs> Day having to have fights with someone and not have anything to back up what I felt. So now I can say, hey, here's this article I wrote, you know, here's the research I've done. So thank you for asking me that because, you know, um, it's, it's something I feel, feel uh, very, very, very passionate about. Hey, I was from the name up there. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, gotta love some narcissism out here, folks. No, it's good. I'm from, well, I'm from the uh, biggest, uh, I come from the state with the biggest Italian population in the U.S., New Jersey, as, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, was also born in New York. And okay. so, Love you know, let, let me, can I just say something real quick to address that? Wow. Wow. I am anti-Columbus. I am not anti-Italian. Thank you. Why is that so complicated? Does it mean I, if I don't like Hitler, I'm anti-German? Does it mean if I, like, yes. I'm not a fan of Mussolini. I, I, I've never been called anti-Italian before. But right. that's, that's, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. See, and here's, here's, here's another reason why you guys have asked, uh, I'm asking this that I'll, I'll respond to as well, is that what happens to a lot of people, and I ran into similar things when I advocated very strongly against the Washington Redskins name at the time. And, and I and what happens is when you say something that um, is 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 addressing something that someone's learned, what you're doing, um, I believe, as far as this person is concerned, that feels attacked is you are addressing an issue. And you you what happens is that because they don't have a foundation of where they learn this information, they feel as though you're attacking their learning process, which could include the friends that they've learned with, their teacher that was really wonderful and loving and maybe made small turkeys out of their hands. And, and Mrs. Crabtree was really the wonderfulest teacher in the world. And you're telling me she's a liar. You know, screw you, blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't like you because you're telling me that, that my wonderful, loving teacher is wrong. Heck no. So, so what I try to tell people is that, look, I am not trying to dismantle uh, some of the really wonderful things you've had happen in your life. And I'm not trying to dismantle a community or I'm not trying to dismantle, uh, you know, your culture or, 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 or race or heritage. What I'm trying to do is say, hey, look at the truth. And maybe people had really wonderful and loving intentions as a teacher wants to reach out to her children and help them. But sometimes your teacher was lied to. So let's not get mad at me for saying this is the truth. Let's get mad at the consistency in hiding the truth from us through the years. I have so many different stories of history that will infuriate people if they knew the truth. But the thing is, is because people are closed-minded to the fact, well, I shouldn't say closed-minded, but 
resistant to the fact of some truth and dismantling of what existed, sometimes they react very viciously. There's been times where I've had some pretty, pretty serious, terrible threats against me, against my family. I've been doxxed. I've been told this, I've been told that, you know, uh, and, you know, even today I got, got some flack. So, but it's as far as I'm concerned, it par for the course and it comes with the deal. I very much relate. I am currently putting together a panel for Saturday called Deconstructing Zionism, and I'm a Jew from South Florida. So when you talk about hate from people not wanting to accept facts, um, I am like so deep in that that it's just absurd. And I've been telling people like you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your facts. So if you still have that opinion, once we give you the facts, then fine. But just own it. You know, like that. It's people do not. There's the cognitive dissonance is real. Like it's, it's people cannot handle it. It's very unsettling. And And there's some people that you're never going to convince otherwise. That's just really, sometimes, sometimes you, you can work yourself into an absolute exhaustion if you want to, or you can realize that sometimes some people just aren't going to change their mind. Oh yeah. We call those the two far gones. (laughs) That's also a big part of politics in general. Yeah. You know, there's um, politics in the United States is very much a blood sport in many ways. It's, you know, you got to pick your team and you have to blindly follow your side without questioning any of that. Let me tell you a bit of history about this that a lot of people don't realize sure. uh, about our uh, United States system of, of government. The, the founding fathers, uh, the, the, the room full of white guys. Right, Rich, uh, the land that, that, that people say started the entire country actually is not true. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, et cetera, et cetera, all met with Haudenosaunee leaders, met with Mohawk, Cayuga, Onondaga, and they founded and created our system of checks and balances of the House, the Senate, and the Office of the Presidency based upon tribal councils, sub-councils, and the office of the head chief. So when the founding fathers created these three branches, the House, the Senate, the president, based upon the chief, the councils, the sub-councils, they left one out. The Council of Women Elders. And this Council of Women Elders could, by their vote and their vote alone, remove the head chief from his position if they so thought, based upon their vote and their vote alone. And it was a perfect system. But because they didn't use that, what we did here in the founding of this nation is created another patriarchy. So the question I ask people is, if we had a council of women that could vote out our head leader based upon his behavior, would we still have all of our presidents? No. (laughs) So so what I like to say is that I had a person ask me on the telephone one time, well, then what's the point of being chief? I said, that's exactly the point of being chief, because when you approach it that way, you're looking at it from a position of power as a as opposed to a position of fostering growth for everyone. So if what? someone is trying to be greedy and powerful and this and that, then the women would vote them out. So right. and that was a balance of men and women. How often do we talk about the contributions of women in history? It's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, and why have, from your from your own studying and interpretation, why do you feel that women were cast aside? Not only then, but you know they're still cast aside now. Uh, obviously, nothing to the extent of what it once was. Are you asking him to unravel the history because of this project? I, I could tell you the reason because all the original storytellers were white men. 
Well, you and, and one thing I wanted to point out that I really like, this is very important to know the history stuff. And the reason it's important is we can't move forward when we're not coming at this from real facts. OK, like so how do we know how we can fix things or repair things if we don't know what happened, actually? And the Zen approach to history is infinitely more preferable. And that is I'm very appreciative of that when you talk about History is normally told from the perspective of the victor. And that is never going to yield like a better evolution for, for humanity. Like that will never yield a better result so long as we keep telling history from that perspective. So I think it's incredibly important to, to address history so that people start to question what we're being taught now. Like, what are we being taught now that wasn't real? And I see people in lifetime changing facts all the time so that 20 years from now, there's going to be a totally different story as to what really happened. I see it happening all the time. Mm -hmm. the, the more violence that exists in a movement, the more, the more aggression, the more force, the more, the more power in which someone tries to move something forward, the faster they will grow because it intimidates other peoples and it's scary. But what it is, I call that type of power, a power of a flapjack, because it can only last for so long until you got to flip it. You know what I'm saying? It's only so much until it gets yeah. top heavy and flips. You know, it's, 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 it's all about trying to maintain balance. And it, no matter what, if you push one way, a seesaw is going to go back the other way with, with equal force. It's, it's politics is physics. You know, and, and uh, it all balances out. And that's why I think the meek shall inherit the earth is su such an important concept, because in some ways it really, really is true. Yeah. And I think when you know better people, you should do better. It's a, I have a lot of bad feelings about things that I didn't do or didn't know. And and I question would I have been somebody that would have stood up against segregation? Would I be somebody that would be taking the time, like being courageous enough to go yeah, against yeah. the norm? Would I? And I think it's really important. And um, one of the things that we talk about, like he says about going to Mount Rushmore. And I'm like, you mean six grandfathers? As now that's what I'm calling it. Because it's like we need to re get, we need to take back the narrative of the fact, what factually happened. And stop like having these legends of American like greatness yeah. and it's just it's very unsettling to me yeah yeah oh, but that's what you're doing now you asked yeah. the question if you'd be that way but that's what you're doing now you guys yeah. are doing good and positive things you know that's all we can do is try yeah. to do the best we can every time every every chance we can well i often maintain that the and we talk about this all the time on our show that the biggest impediment to success in this country is not the individual who thinks ignorantly it's the fact that we have a government that is completely captured by corporate special interests it has been for quite some time, probably always has been, but now it's just completely out of sight, out of mind. And it probably has been that way for the past, you know, 40 years, give or take. And so if we're trying to enact any type of change in this country, you know, I try to tell people all the time and I have a lot of, you know, close friends and even family that are ardent Trump supporters. And I tell them, you know, as much as you may not like Trump, and there's many good reasons not to like him. Because he's disgusting. There is even more reason not to like the system that we're living in right now. And people are so desperate to get out of it that they'll turn to somebody like him. That should be the biggest red flag of all. Because if we were living in a country that truly cared for the least, we actually had universal health care, a living wage, an environmental platform that actually took care of this planet and not destroyed it. I think if we had those types of things yeah. in place... A person like Trump could never rise 
because everyone would look at him as the fool and fraud that he is. Mm-hmm. But because things are so bad, people are desperate. It, when you're desperate, you'll take anything. People look back at how the hell did Hitler and Mussolini rise to power? Easily, it's, actually. It's not that hard to see. And we're kind of living through an inflection point moment right now where I think on a day like today, realizing that native culture, I mean, I saw, you know, what I always feel is the best white man's interpretation of native history and Dances with Wolves. There is so much to learn from that film regarding, the, especially the scene with the with the killing of the buffalo and only killing it for their hide, not killing it for their bones, for their meat. Uh, those types of things to me are the things we can learn from native culture that are not being talked about anywhere near enough today. We saw what happened during the Dakota Access Pipeline debacle. Mm -hmm. I really think there is a lot that native culture should be having greater, uh, not undue influence, but the type of influence that could be moving us in the right direction that currently is kind of scary seeing that it isn't isn't going that way. Yeah, it's a lot of... A lot of um, history repeating itself over and over and over. And power will, all, will always rise. Force will always rise. And uh, But it's it's built on a, a house of, of matchsticks, you know. So yeah. just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, we're just waiting. Like, it's almost like it's it's going to happen. The balance is going to shift. The class war is it's it's definitely happening. We're seeing it. It's all over the world that we're sort of seeing this uprising. And, you know, like for me, I'm pleased because it shows movement and it's we've been stagnant for a really long time in terms of how we treat people and people aren't having it anymore. And I'm and I'm glad about that. And I just think that we need to be extra considerate of the communities that have been more oppressed and more vulnerable than just our regular people. Our everyday people are very oppressed here anyway. But the the vulnerable communities do not get enough of a voice. And for me, it's like, I love all things indigenous indigenous and native. I like the style. I like the culture. I like the food. Well, thank you. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, but hey, just a side note, and and I'm certainly not trying to, I'm not trying to bring things down, but I would like to pay, uh, uh, a note to my father. Uh, the reason I'm wearing a hat and I usually don't wear a hat is um, I, I cut my hair and it's down very, very short because my father recently passed and mm. uh, talk about uh, dismantling your whole life. Boy, that just is, is a big, yeah. big punch in the gut for, for sure. But um, you know, he, he taught me to be who I am and I'm, I'm very grateful that he was in my life, but uh, I love you, Ray, dad. And, you know, I'm just, uh, just wanted to say a note to him, you know, uh, and, and I think the biggest thing that I feel when I see people responding strongly or vehemently or angrily or this or that is I really do think, God, man, it's a bummer. This poor person feels so angry about this stuff because I really don't respond that way a lot. I mean, I can get kind of upset about certain things, but um, what I try to do is 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 approach things uh, in a much more positive way. Hey, Carla Harrington gave 50 bucks. That's kind of nice. It's really nice. So I want to respond to I'm liking, I'm liking this little spin, the thing at the bottom, the little ticker tick like at the bottom. Yeah, I nice. yeah. just want to also say thank you very much. Carla's a yes, fantastic supporter of our show. Thank you very much. Yeah, really that's awesome. I want to respond to this. Put that up. 
Okay, so this operate, look, we have a very look to to our credit. I think we do a really good job of attracting many different people across the political spectrum. Because I cross over Meta, and talk to Metaopoly is a Native American who happens to be conservative, and I think it's important that you know we keep uh, perspective on everything. Hey, I'm in the world of, of journalism. I meet a lot of uh, politicians and and people on both sides of politics. So you know, I I I've heard uh, perspectives and and. Uh, point of views from both sides, you know, so, and that's so, a big reason I actually started my, my site native viewpoints that that was important. I, yeah, no, there's no, it's not a monolith. That's the thing. It's not a monolith. So my, my quite, my answer to metalopoly is why not just American culture? What is American culture? What, what, what does that mean? Because when I think of American culture, I think of everything that led us to where we are. And that's part of American culture. And yes, it's still like there's a lot of division, you know, amongst groups because they do try to keep us fighting and kicking down. That's one way that they do it. But I would argue that when you say what uh, just about American culture, I'd say, yes, that's exactly what it is. It's American culture. And we're just happening to focus on the indigenous aspect of that. Um, But yeah, you wouldn't have there would be no American culture without the indigenous aspect to it. So well, you, I, don't, you don't paint a painting with a big fat brush the whole time. Right. You, know, you have to get to, you know, exactly. so, so American culture, when you say American culture, you're, you're, you're doing a broad swipe with a big, big wide brush and that's great. That's fine. But, but it's okay to take some time with a smaller brush and, and talk about, you know, distinct cultures in a little bit here, a little bit there. And I think, a, what a lot of what I've come across over my years as a journalist is the fact that people get uncomfortable when Native people are able to talk about their culture and heritage because a lot of people that came here from Europe left behind their culture, left behind their heritage, left behind the stories of who they were, uh, you know, here and there. And, you know, people uh, will, will say I'm white as opposed to saying I am Norwegian. I am um, I I am, you know, Dutch, I am, you know, Spanish, you know, or or Irish. The thing is, 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 is a lot of times when you start talking in the fine details, people get uncomfortable because they don't have that connection. And what I'm trying, what I try to tell people is like, hey, explore that connection. And, And they also become fearful because these fine tooth, these fine tooth brushes are becoming stronger and stronger with and defined within their own communities. So these communities are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So those with culture are, are empowered, being more and more empowered while those who have left it behind are becoming less powered. And it's, it's scary. But the thing is, is we don't have to just run out and just hate each other. (laughs) I'm not trying to be too cool by eye here, but (laughs) yeah. It's not a pie. If somebody else gets empowered, it doesn't mean you lose power. If somebody else gains some, you know, money, that doesn't mean you have less money. Like it's not a pie, people. There's it's great, how it works. There was a there's a great um, meme that was done. I, I think it was either like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, but basically, they're sitting in the middle with a whole pile of cookies, and on one side you have a, a rural, I believe, white American, and on the other side you have an urban black American. And the oligarch, if you will, who has all the cookies is basically looking at the rural white guy saying, be careful, that urban black guy is going to take, take your, your cookie. cookie. <laughs> and it just sort of crystallizes how yeah. 
We're fighting the wrong battles. You got to punch up people. You got to punch up people. Like it's the people with less power than you are never going to be the blame or the cause of your woes. That's just not how this works. Yeah. There is that loss of, uh, of focus when it comes to what battles we're really fighting right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that we are heading, I don't know if we're heading for a cataclysmic circumstance in the near future, but whatever it's going to be, we're not there yet, but it's going to be very, very interesting when we do get there. Exactly. And having, uh, you know, again, we were very fortunate, you know, Hurricane Ian did not hit us. You know, we had a lot of rain, That's good. but the devastating part of it went about not even two hours from here. You know, mm-hmm. it, if one change of the direction of that storm and it could have absolutely devastated where we are. And, and I, all those amazing crates behind it, that design, which is incredible, would all be crashed in the ground. This? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I just, there are I'm, vintage shutters from all over. Some oh of that. God, I just love it. I'm looking at them like, God. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I collect them. This used to be my dining room wall, but then I just moved to a smaller place and they couldn't fit. So I'm like, I'll just do the studio back with Well, Jen is a very crafty individual. I'm crafty. Oh, man, that is just, I, I, that is Awesome. I Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And we told you all of this, folks, so that we can tell you other story about Columbus. <laughs> it's hard, but, you know, at some point I kind of like, you know, we could tell this the basic story of this was not somebody that we should be celebrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the idea of focusing more on indigenous people from that perspective. Like, that's what you're saying. Instead of like, like. There's certain people that I just don't want to even give lip service to anymore. You know, like why, you know, once you correct the history, it's like, can we just now we need to just focus on the the stuff that's, you know, somewhat positive and celebrate indigenous people and their contribution. And in some ways, it's very much like how you have to actually if you're if you're trying to do what is in the best interests of the people, best interests of humanity and the planet when you're running a political campaign. All too often when we see that, again, it's what we call a consultant industrial complex, but politics is big business. Mm-hmm. And the people who are in it are typically in it for their own personal gain. For the people who are in it for the right reasons, recognizing that, you know, when Jen ran for Congress in 2020 against Debbie Wasserman Schultz, yes, one of the most controversial congressional representatives we have in the whole country. It'd be easy to just run a campaign constantly talking about how bad your opponent is. There's no shortage of information there. Oh, my God, she's the gift that keeps giving. But what is the value in that if you're trying to change things for the better? No, the value is in talking about why you are the solution, not about why this person stinks. Oh, my God, Donald Trump is the worst person who ever lived. Yeah, but what are you going to do to make it better? If you're not going to talk about what we're going to do to make it better, like celebrating native culture, valuing the planet, valuing every piece of, you know, if if you're going to slaughter an animal, then understanding that every part of that animal can hold value. The fact that we have factory farming, we have all types of, again, this is all I'd say it, but this is this is this is a white culture issue. It's neoliberalism run amok, people. That's what we're talking about. And if we don't deal with that, I mean, it is scary. I'm a, I'm a real estate agent here in South Florida, and I, I, I do it with a conscience. I, I am basically telling people you do not want to live on the coastline of Miami because it is not going to be to your advantage in any way, shape or form. He's not and a very happening. successful real estate agent because <laughs> you don't want to live on the beach here. So look what I just thought. Guys, this is Turtle Island. See the see how the continent. I know, but you just need to see the general shape of it. Okay, well, the, blurry, the blurry turtle, but it's very cool. Florida's the foot. We're, we're the we're the foot. I just think it's very cool. 
there's a lot of negative things you can say about Florida, but that's good. We, we generally go by flaccid penis. Florida has a lot of negative to say. But Vince, it's obviously been a real pleasure having you on the show. Um, if there's anything that you'd like to plug before you go, obviously, guys, if you haven't gone to nativeviewpoint.com, please make sure that you do. Make sure that, again, if they could, do you have uh, anything that they could subscribe to? If anyone is. Uh, you know, I. I uh started the site uh, earlier last year and it was a soft launch. I haven't even been promoting it, honestly, but uh, it's, it's just a, it's just a nice place to kind of peruse and look around. And, and, you know, I talk about a lot of native issues. I focus a lot on, you know, arts and entertainment and, and the way native culture is today uh, as opposed to how it was. And, you know, if people would like to, to see certain things, let me know, you know, my, follow me on, on, uh, my social media at Vince Schilling and Schilling as SCH. Uh, so, you know, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for inviting me. Um, you guys are a lot of fun and, and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, just, just so grateful that, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are willing to, to listen unlike so many years before where boy, I was just trying to, trying to push on a rope. It was not the same. Um, and I feel like a lot more people are listening these days and there's still people that, that feel angry about certain things. And, you know, I just want them to know that there's no hate here. You know, we could all have different, different points of view and uh, you know, uh, native viewpoint is one specific point of view, but there's lots of others and, you know, your native viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's, let's stop hating out there, everyone. But, you know, there's still going to be hate. This is the way it is. I have a question for you. And this just is something yeah, that sure. I thought about that this might be a very strange thing. But is there any type of like native community that does, and I know this sounds horrible, but almost like a tourism thing where people can come and see what that's really like? Like, not, not a that's not terrible, that's a not genuine question. Hard rock. Not that, not the Seminoles people. That's not normal tribal people. Um, but like, you know, almost like you would go do a working farm or a working, yeah. like go participate in stuff. Is that a thing? Like, is there native? There's tribe? actually quite a few. There's actually quite a few. Uh, the Pequot in, in Connecticut. The, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Their, their museum. Beautiful. Now, the, the one thing that, that a lot of tribes were able to to take advantage of was there the concept of sovereignty and being a sovereign entity and they're they're thereby only you know held accountable on on your own laws within your own within your own you know community and many tribes realized that well we're not subject to all the laws of the state and uh that's why many tribes started gaming you know because they were able to generate a lot of revenue and many tribes have have taken the the you know these profits and put it right back into the community. So many, many, many tribes. And I would say, you know, out of the 570 plus, you know, tribes across the country, I would say probably my guess rough estimate, because I certainly haven't visited them. I'd, I'd say probably 60 to 70%, uh, if not even more, have tribal museums, have tribal, you know, uh, powwows. And I would suggest going to a powwow. Have either one you went to ever been to a powwow? I actually have, but I, I don't. Right. I, to me, it seems a little too touristy, cheesy. So I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Now, I mean, that's because there's a lot of tourists there. But the thing is, is, is you know, um, I, one thing I will say because uh, you, you're you were so kind in the way you put that question. But I will say, you really can ask 
questions of a native person. When we when we go to, and, and again, I'm not speaking for every single person, but we go to a powwow and you ask a genuine question of curiosity in, in a in a kind way, say, hey, you know, what is what does that mean? What yeah. what is that what you're wearing? What what is this chest plate here? What is this roach thing? What what is this? Yeah. You can ask questions like that. And and you know, oh many, many times, nine, 99 times out of a hundred uh, I, I would imagine that the person you ask would be gracious and saying, well, this means this and this means this, because um, a very small quick start, because I know we're probably going to move on. But there there was a German museum that had a poster of a Native American man and they wanted to know who it was. So they put it out there and they said, does anyone know who this is? And I just happened to happen upon it. You know, I don't remember where the post was. I saw it and I looked at it and I said, oh, so I looked, I said, can you send me a the entire image. And so I was able to zoom in and I could see from some of the the designs on his headdress that I said, he's likely Lakota. I would even say it's specific to the region of Porcupine. You know, so I was able to kind of guesstimate where he was from based upon some of the designs that looked familiar to me. And I called the tribal in that area and I got a phone call back in a half hour. I said, hey, Vincent, yeah, I know who that guy is. And they told me about it. And NPR asked to interview me and they were like, well, I know this is going to be hot. I said, well, I've actually already found out who was. They're like, you found out in a half hour, <laughs> you solved the mystery. So what I'm saying is there are very distinct designs that we all talk about and have this. And, and, and we are willing to say, Hey, this means this, this means this here, you know, this means this, this, this is what, what is something connected to my family. So you, you'll find that there is distinction within, you know, uh, one person to the next. So, you know, Feel free to ask those questions. Go I'm look at curious look, about all yeah. sorts of stuff. Like I'm I'm always very curious about about stuff like that. But um I find it very interesting. I'd love to go and do that, but I don't want some cheesy touristy experience where it's you know, and I do feel like like for I saw somebody in the chat was saying that they were Cherokee and I, I'm in North Carolina every summer and I've been to Cherokee and it's exceptionally cheesy. And I and I have to think that it's almost like when Chinese people create a Chinese restaurant that appeals to Americans versus what would be really authentic to them. Yeah. And I never and I don't want to be that American. I get so, it. I know, get it. I get it. Yeah. And because we're real. Well, that, that there's there's always that sense of like, you know, catering to the public to make some money. You know, there, there, there's, yeah. there's that sense. And th there is a kind of hidden chuckle in Indian country about such things. And, you know, um, so if you want to find something real, uh, yeah. go to Washington, D.C. and check out the National Museum of America. Oh, love it. Been there. The food court there, hands down. Ask questions, you know, ask questions. Okay. And if, and you could even say to some of the, hey, can you give me that? Or even ask someone, maybe go back to the, the you know, the tribe in North Carolina and say, you know, is there a cool place that's kind of off the beaten path that's actually right. culturally sound? And they'll tell you know say you know and 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 say I mean this respectfully and this is wonderful you know I understand souvenirs this and that you know right. but but I'd love to know something about real because sometimes right. there are workshops sometimes there are things that you can do within the tribe that really are you know about you know traditionally sound principles and things that you can learn in a really wonderful way because you know you know, I get it. You know, how much can you learn from a plastic necklace, you know, for a kid? <laughs> I will tell you, you mentioned the Lakota and a couple of years ago, there was a group of the Lakota Sioux came down here mm -hmm. and did a nonviolent resistance training at Florida International University. And I went to that and it was that was awesome. 
See, now that was really like legit to me. Like that was really cool. And I learned something like I learned a lot of things. But the key thing was what it's like to be a good relative is what they called it. Like be a good relative. And one of the things was lend your privilege. And I never thought of it that way. But that to me spoke like very loudly. Yeah, that's nice. Well, you know what? I will say one thing, Um, Jen, you have just inspired me because um, just like I was talking about Columbus, how there was a missing place for, for some information, you know, uh, just aside though, my wife and I have been in a hotel. We've been in this hotel for over a year because of some terrible damage that happened to my home. And oh, it's, just been, it's, been, it's oh. been bonkers, literally. But um, you realized, you made me realize in a lot of ways that there is a big missing piece of, of native culture that um, that is not present. And I think that I can do that because I do have a YouTube channel uh, getting close to 4,000 subscribers. And I haven't been able to put as much effort into it as I've wanted to because I've been you know, kind of locked up in this hotel, et cetera, et cetera. But but that's a lot of the a lot of the uh, content white ways that I want to approach things. So so I think there's some room for that. And I think that, um, you know, I keep getting this question that you're asking quite a bit about different stuff like this. So I think it'd be a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. Well, if you need, so I don't know like what the native word is for like gringa. Cause like I say that to like the Latinos, I'm like, soy gringa, lo siento. Um, but, but whatever that is, if you need a token, one of those for your show, I'd be really happy to come on. If you need some token. Well, white well I will say this. I will say this is that, there's over, you know, uh, there's thousands of languages. So, you know, there's to say one one glowing term. I don't know. Uh, I guess for the most part, I guess I'll be honest. And what most most native people speak right. is English. So, you know, yeah. uh, so just white, 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 white dude, white girl, white. <laughs> you know, but I, but right. but the last thing I would say, you you just don't appear white to me. It's not like that. But there's nothing wrong with that either. You know. So let's. It's, 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 it's a spirit of being. There's nothing wrong with being who we are, period, you know, regardless of what we have in in our in our DNA, you know, because he's white, like he's white. Yeah, but own it, Pete. Own it. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, so what specifically what what is your what is your heritage? What is your heritage? I'm mostly Irish on my father's side and I'm mostly uh, Polish and Russian on my mother's side. White. Awesome. <laughs> Irish. Well, you know, Irish is very Celtic, you know, uh, and very, very tribal. So, you know, there's a I lot. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would invest in that, my brother. You know, that is some really incredible culture. You know, my, and he not, actually is part Jewish tribe. He just doesn't like to admit no, that. No, I don't. That's all. Right. I don't. Well, well, my, no, no, no. My, my, my father, my, my mother is, is the Mohawk. My father is Schilling, which is Austrian, and his great grandmother my my great grandmother on in his side, her last name was Rosenbaum. You know, one of right. the and she was fleeing Austria. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's another kind of tribe. It isn't just religion when it comes to that. It isn't because when you have a shared people with a shared experience over a certain amount of centuries, it becomes more of a culture than just a religion, sure. and that becomes your tribe. Because I'm an atheist, so but yet I consider that my tribe, and you know whether you like it or not, you're in it. Just well, saying. <laughs> I haven't been to Europe yet, but Ireland is definitely the first stop on the on the map. Well, there is a there's a beautiful tribute in County Cork uh, to Native Americans as the 
uh, Choctaw were the ones who donated during the Irish potato famine. So there's actually a big oh, really cool. thing of leathers that of, of feathers there. It's beautiful, made of silver. I'm putting it on my bucket list. Gorgeous, yeah. Thank you Vincent, so much, Vincent. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Keep in touch. Yeah. Really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, you're right, Mario. He was lovely. And very uh, informative. Very informative. I, well, people, I'm, you know, I do like, I do love things tribal and indigenous to all continents. Like I'm pretty equal across continents. Like I just like that. I feel like that's the stuff that keeps us grounded to the center of the earth. The indigenous ways are the ways that kind of keep us connected to the, I can't explain. We all come from the same place. We all come from like the cradle of civilization. But Alopoli, I think it's important that we understand that these types of conversations are very important. And yes, we do. Oh, I'm all for that. Oh, I'd love to do that. If you can introduce me to some real power brokers in China and India, I'd be very happy to advocate. Um, no, I don't speak Mandarin, and no, but they all speak English. Luckily for us, they're all they they have built. They can dumb it down for us. But um, I would be very happy to do that. And Metalopoly, the, the real issue is we have to clean up our own house. Like I have a lot more standing to demand things from my government, which is my people, than I do to demand from another government where I am not, I don't have standing there. But if given the opportunity, I'd be more than happy to, and I say it all the time, like if we all switch to electric cars in this country, that's not going to solve the problem. Not we need all. to get all these countries on, the major ones, you're right, it's China, it's India. But the U.S. needs to lead. And it needs, well, and we can't do that so long as the military industrial complex is the number one polluter and our imperialism knows no bounds. And that is Banging why the war drums again right now as we speak. And that is why you guys are going to get a wonderful lesson from a, f a fellow uh, YouTuber and friend of the show, Jamal Thomas. He will be coming on Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. We're probably going to start at 8.30 p.m. because we do have an affair to go to. Um, an affair. Oh, it is an affair, technically. It's I did get us swag bags. Yes. It's all just donations to mobile school pantries. So I, My favorite nonprofit in Broward. It's our local food. It's like a local food bank, not a bank, but she it's really special people. And she provides food to so many families uh, in Broward. And it's just not just providing food. It's the manner in which it's done. It's really nice. Yeah, Jamal, uh, yeah, Paul, Jamal actually, uh, I think he took a hiatus for a considerable amount well, of time. Well, then he was with Sputnik. Yeah, but he just came back on. Uh, I love Jamal. He's one of the first yeah. people that I started regularly watching when I started watching like alternate He's media. old school. I mean, he goes back as far as Kyle Kalinske does. Like he's been yes. around a long time. And he really knows his stuff. And again, he's extremely smart about foreign stuff. Like, like when it comes policy. to the war in Ukraine, he really leans into how this is just this has basically become in very short order, a war for the profits of the military industrial complex. Shocking. Shocking. It's amazing that it's like it just keeps I feel like it's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. It's weapons of mass destruction. And you still see people that are looking at it thinking, oh, well, you know, Putin's this and Zelensky's a hero. And it's like it, it is not as simple as black and white. Something as simple as discussing how far NATO has expanded in Eastern Europe when after the fall of the Soviet Union, it was told it would never move past East Germany. And today it's literally at Russia's doorstep. It's not condoning anything that Putin has done, 
But having perspective on why things are where they are is very important. So we'll get that from Jamal, as well as how the military industrial complex completely continues to pillage this planet. And they will keep coming up with do. more and more wars. There's, there will never not be a war. So we're just going to always be doing that. Chris, I see what you're talking about in there about the standing at Standing Rock. Yeah, no, it wasn't the natives, but it definitely is our our place to speak on that. That's our country, what we're doing to our people. That's our stand. Like we have standing to fight about that. TM with a little humor, but yes, this is, I know people think this is a joke, but trust me, there are people who actually think that there's a possibility that if we do not have some type of a rollback of sorts regarding what's happening right now in Ukraine, we could be heading for a nuclear situation. And that is, again, and that's why I really can't stand our current president, because I don't think he is anywhere near up to the task of this situation. And the fact that he on national television in the press corps admitted that they basically were going to do what was necessary to destroy Nord Stream 2. And they did within a 24 to 48 hour period after Biden said that. I mean, come on. You know, well, it's almost like they're all in cahoots just to make profit, which Correct. is my, what I always think anyway, but you, all roads lead to profit for the oligarchs. And I don't care whether my oligarchs speak Russian, Chinese, or English. It's irrelevant to me what language they speak. They're all, it's them versus us and their language is not the issue. Thank it's you their very, class. Thank you very much, Brenda. Really appreciate the support. Um, I am not Catholic, but I am Irish and I certainly appreciate your sentiments. That means a lot. Uh, TM, uh, I know, I know you're serious. And so are a lot of other people. I know people think this is a joke, but it's not. No. A lot of people really buying radiation pills because they're afraid. And you know what? I don't blame them. You know why? Because when you have a tyrant backed into a corner, you have to give him an off ramp. You have, I've been saying this from the very beginning. You have to give Putin a way out of this by, able, by being able to save face. A little bit. If it's you true. think that he is going to just take this line that, remember, they can wipe Ukraine off the face of this earth like that. The people who think, the, 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 I'm not going to say any nasty Please don't. Please don't. But anyone out there who actually thinks that this is a real war of attrition, that if this was a real war with Russia versus Ukraine, are you kidding me? Yeah, you're silly. You you're want, being silly. You want a million people dead? Because there's... A, you want two million people dead because as far as our military industrial complex is concerned, the more the merrier, the more people dead, the more that the military can gain footholds in all parts of the world. A thousand military bases. I mean, well, we have over eight, well, we have over 800 that are like on record. That doesn't include like black ops sites and all that stuff. I mean, Bo definitely addresses this stuff better than I could, but um, we are the imperialist predators. We are. We are. And it's like how it, it's amazing to me how we could sit there. And, and I am not saying Putin is not a bad guy. And I'm not saying that it's OK to invade another country because that's all kinds of wrong. But it just seems very pot and kettle to me and that we have so much of our own house to clean up. And maybe if we did that, the ripple effect would be less of this. Like maybe the years and years of our like basically intruding at their border right. just finally took a toll. I, I don't think people realize it because our media doesn't cover it, but we always have warships up their ass. And if you think as bad as Putin is, believe me, there is no question that our shadow government, which is the CIA, had a hand in the in blowing up Nord Stream 2. 
be thankful Putin isn't a full-blown psychopath because doing that is a declaration of war against Russia. That's what that is. Now, he hasn't declared war on us, but if he did, that is World War III because China will have to make a decision as to where they're going to land. And chances are they're going to land with their neighbors, not with us. China. No, they own us. If they call yeah. all their debt due, we're all going to be working in Mandarin slave camps, which is why I, I, I honestly. For those of you who didn't see. Stop poking the bears. Yeah, for those of you who didn't see Jay Paul's fantastic interview, dual interview with uh, Noam Chomsky and Daniel Ellsberg talking about the biggest failure of Biden's presidency, which is his handling of Taiwan, and has been an absolute disaster. Nobody's talking about that Nobody anymore. Nobody wants either. to talk about it. Well, they're distracting us with Ukraine. Correct. So to me, that's, again, I don't have a lot of good to say and never will have a lot of good to say about Trump. But the one big difference between Trump and Biden, it seems to me, from my perspective, and you're all free to share your sentiments, but to me, Trump was less controllable by the MIC than Joe Biden. And you're seeing that right now. He fell in line ultimately with them. Like he went into office saying, we're going to get out of all these wars. We're going to get out of Syria. We're going to do all this stuff. And then he took office and somebody whispered in his ear, yeah, no, that's not how this works. And then he's like, okay, no, 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 that's not how this works. All right, we're there for the oil. But at least he said we're there for the oil. I appreciated that candor. Right after he got into the White House, he said, well, can't we just give everybody Medicare? Sorry, Mr. President, that's not how this works. And then he said, okay, we can't do that. So he eventually fell in line because everyone does except for Jack. And then he got dead. That's what happens and to presidents that don't fall and in line. And for those of you out there who love Trump and think that, oh, my God, he's this maverick and he's doing all this, that, and the other thing. Do you really think it's that big of a stretch to think that he may very well have been taken into a private room with the head of the CIA, showed him another angle of the Sapruder film and said, do you have any questions? Seriously. <laughs> Get in line, man. We run, we run the country and we run the world. That's how it works. That's how it works. And it does, but see, and it includes people in other countries. It isn't just our deep state. There's other actors. You know, they, there's there's a certain amount of people that are just in charge. There's people that are just in charge. And I, and I still maintain that the biggest reason why Trump hasn't been taken out is because he knows all the secrets. This is no different than why Debbie Wasserman Schultz is still in Congress. When you know all well, that and closed primaries in a gerrymandering sure, district. Sure, but when you know, when you know everyone's dirty laundry, it's a very powerful thing. And you can use that against anybody. When you're the president of the United States, especially a president who was curious about very specific things as president, Donald Trump wasn't curious about how to better humanity. Donald Trump was curious about (laughs) how he could literally know every little secret about every powerful person, not only in this country, but all over the world. And that's a very powerful, that's power, real. I mean, it's the ultimate. And yet he didn't use that position to gain any real knowledge of anything. Fascinating to me. Yeah. No, he may very. I mean, if look. you leave that office and you are not infinitely smarter than when you went in, then you're an idiot. Because the amount of information you have access to, like the amount of people that will come and teach you stuff, you can get experts on everything. They just come and tell you things. Listen, I I cannot. I stand. would never stop doing that. I think Bill Clinton is one of the worst presidents we've ever, ever. had. I maintain that, but Bill Clinton is definitely somebody who took full advantage of being president of the United States, and that's not just about his affairs. That's about amassing as much knowledge as humanly possible. How do you think that the freaking Clinton Foundation got as big as it did? Because he amassed as much knowledge as humanly possible. Um and. 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of issues with Joe, but I will say I am thankful for what he's done with um, expunging and pardoning marijuana, federal marijuana offenses. Agreed, Colonella. He absolutely should have pardoned Hassan. She was even tiptoeing around the idea that he would. It's and true. And he didn't. And of Again, course, they yeah. got him in line. They got him in line because ultimately everybody falls in line or they. Now, what I will say. The they one get thing, Arkansas-ed. The one thing I will say about Trump that will be interesting is if by somehow hook or crook, he becomes president a second time, then all bets are off. That's a that's a situation. I don't see it happening. I really don't. I, pro- I, I wouldn't see that. I, I, I really, I really don't see that happening. But you're native to this country. I, I don't see that happening. I actually do think that our next president is going to be Ron DeSantis. As of right now, if we stay on the current trajectory, not, which doesn't mean that things can't change, things can change. But like if we stay where we're going right now, I do believe our next president is Ron DeSantis. Um, and I don't. I'm not completely freaked out about that the way that a lot of people are. Um, you know, it's it's very, uh, the Democrats don't have any real good options. And so that's just reality. Like, what were you saying there? What I'm saying is, is that if the Democrats want people to support them, they need to present a better option. And right now they don't have one. So given that trajectory, yeah, I think it's DeSantis. And I think he will be more popular than Trump. Because he doesn't rub people the same wrong way. He really doesn't. People don't understand that. He is not offensive in watch, that way. Watch very closely to how big of a, a big of a margin DeSantis defeats Chris. It's not if, it's what the margin will be. That's what we're looking at. See, we have an over, I think it's going to be more than 10 points. I think it's going to be brutal. I think it's but I mean, real. listen, all I can tell you is that we're really in the political world down here, as you know, and we're in Broward County and I don't feel any energy whatsoever. I, I don't feel anything. Uh, we know Democrats that are voting for DeSantis. And if he if, if Charlie can't get all the Democrats, it's over. He'd have to. There's less registered Democrats than Republicans. There's more no parties than anything. So if he can't get his own party people behind him, he has no chance. Don't pay. I am going to say this. I can definitely see a case where DeSantis would pick somebody like Gabbard as his VP, and that would be in. That I would don't be, think he would. Yeah, maybe not. I don't think he would. She. I don't think he would. She's too, she's too opportunistic. Uh, she's damaged. Hmm. She's damaged. She has too much baggage. She's too damaged. And I don't think, no. And I also think that she's too controversial. He would get somebody a lot more uh, palatable to everyone. He'll get some. I do think, I do think DeSantis is definitely more capable than Trump. Yes, it is. Well, okay. There's things about him. He is very authoritarian. Very. He's very authoritarian and I don't like that. However, how he has governed, and this is from people who live in Florida, has not been in that way. Now, people will focus on the stuff with the masks and the schools and all of that. And the LGBTQ stuff. And the Disney and that. And that stuff is political theater. And what I try to remind people all the time is that if you think DeSantis is extreme, then you don't know the Florida GOP at all. Look at Randy Fine in the state house and look at law. Uh, is it Aaron Graw in the state Senate? If he were really like, honestly, if he, he were like those people. Now that's insane. See, that's the thing. That's people insane. don't understand where we're coming from. First of all, we had Rick Scott for eight years. Right. Okay. There is nobody worse. So people don't understand where we're coming from, but no, DeSantis doesn't govern other than that posturing the same stuff that people hate about Trump. 
is the stuff that they're going to pick on about him. But that doesn't really speak to how he actually governs. It's more about the the those red flag issues that the GOP loves to dangle and the Democrats fall for it hook, line and sinker. And they focus on that stuff. And that's not the key stuff that people really need focus on. We need economic justice. So TM, could you pick two worst possible GOPers? I mean, my God, okay. I don't know who Carrie Lake is. So I know Christy. No, Carrie Lake is like, well, Carrie Lake's another election, you know, no, he needs somebody. He would need somebody like Nikki Haley. Yeah, that's true. And and the truth is, that would be a really winning ticket. I got to tell you, because if there was enough dirt and crap on her, we would already know all her skeletons. So she's she's like what you see at this point. We know what we see with her. And I am not a fan by any stretch. I'm not a fan of DeSantis. Not really. But sure that's a marketable gonna, ticket. Yeah. Not really sure what's going to happen in the midterms right now. I mean, he's no I, dummy, though. He wouldn't pick a Sarah Palin. I can tell you that. No, not at all. In fact, I think that's one of the things that people don't talk about enough with DeSantis is just his political acumen. He is very sharp very. and he surrounds himself with people who really know what they're doing. He never puts himself in a position. Again, he pisses the, the crap out of progressives. Anna Eskamani is on a crusade against him. We love her. But again, at the end of the day, it is sort of a, it's like a, there is a loud undertone for how much there is a dislike for DeSantis for certain in the Democratic ranks, but it's not the same with independents and it is definitely not the same with the GOP voters. He has them on lock. And that is they a love him. Yeah. The truth is he's very popular nationally. Yeah, he really is. He's popular. And the reasons that people here don't like him are really those kind of wedge issues, which are important. I'm not saying it's not. Jen, important. What do we what do we call Lord Florida? The That's Man? Florabama. Yeah. You're talking Florabama. And, uh, you know, our best guest from Florabama is Bo. We've had Bo, the fifth column, on a couple of times. I love him. Um, but, yeah, he lives in Florabama. So I, it's very different. Florida is not the tri-state South Florida area. That is not Florida. It just isn't. And they love DeSantis because he stands up for their civil liberties. And that's a huge deal here. Colonello, if this is the that's matchup, what I think that too. is the matchup in 24, that's my I'll, prediction. I'll actually put money down on DeSantis. Oh, I would, I would put my, there's nobody in 24 that I would not put money on DeSantis for. Nobody. But that's that's my prediction right there, too. If we were predicting like a Super Bowl type of thing, it's it's going to be an East versus West DeSantis news. Well, let's put it this way. In terms of the pedigree. DeSantis will wipe the floor. Yeah, in terms of the pedigree and in terms of ratings for corporate media, they would be they would glorious. be salivating at the prospect of oh, Newsom versus East West DeSantis. governor brawl. Like, 100%. oh my god! It, and they're both they're the, both young. The, the, they're they're um, handsome. They're, yes, it would just the, be the, the, it would be, be must see TV. Oh yeah, it's what it is. That's and politics. I think DeSantis will wipe the floor with him. Like yeah, I, okay. I don't even has Gavin Newsom served in the military? Before? No. Okay. But again, the thing about Newsom is. He does not have a great record as governor. In fact, he's got a bad record. So as elitist. If you and want to talk about an anti-elitist time in history, he will not be winning that. You're honor. not. No one who is Nancy Pelosi's nephew is ever going to be getting to the presidency. I didn't this know he opinion. was Nancy Pelosi's nephew. What do you think? You think these people just? No, no, no. I knew he was in that club, but I didn't know he was specifically her nephew. I know it's all nepotism, and they're they they breed in the wine cellars out there, and they just you know continue to like. It's like our own version of the, the monarchy, really. You've yeah. got the Clintons, the Bushes, the Obamas. You've got like these and families. Even though, and even though everybody always says that they really don't want this, the truth is, is that they always end up voting for it anyway. So 
I don't know what to tell you guys. Not me. I am off that train. I will not do that again. So we have to get much more serious about the policies that we're trying to fight for. Um, yep, gov versus gov. That's what I do think. It's going to be like a, a continental battle, if you will. The media ratings will be off the charts. Yeah, well, It'll that's be what they're going to be talking about. Anybody who attempts to step in the way of it is going to have a hard time because, again. Now, that's a debate I would love yeah. to go to. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Kayla? Yes, we did. Uh, I know I did. Uh, you heard about the LA council members, the Democrats who basically were throwing the N-word and the word monkey around to describe a, like, I guess, a representative's adopted child. This is, are you talking about LA County at all or LA City? And I only ask yeah, this because- Nuri Gonzalez, I think is her name. And- uh, This is fascinating to me. Uh, but again, these are all, see, this is the thing. They're all Democrats and they're all racists. And again, you're thinking, oh, it's the GOP. No, the GOP just doesn't hide it. The Democrats pretend like they're not right. that way, but they really are the same. Right. right? Um, so. I find that very interesting because a very good friend of mine's husband was the head of the housing for L.A. County for a really long time. Basically, you're second to the HUD person, him in New York, and like there were a handful of them. And he actually was forced into like retirement based on all this. They were telling calling him out as a racist, but basically they wanted to turn over the commission. Um and they played all the race cards in the world. And now it's interesting that those people are being Brenda, accused of that. can you please that. let us know what Karen Bass said? Because she's obviously in the mayoral race that's taking place next you month. You see what I'm saying? Like, I just find that very ironic that the people who forced him out saying, oh, he's a racist. But now this is, these are those people. That's just really, um, it's also just political posturing. I don't even think it's. It's sort of like the anti-Semitism accusation. There is absolutely no surprise that that is what they are saying, because, again, progressives are the enemy of of big corporations, because, again, for them, the bottom line is the bottom line. But they're talking about real progressives, not like the Democratic Progressive Caucus. Yeah. Those aren't real progressives. All right. So Karen Bess. Who is, uh, you know, again, the reason why everyone's talking about Karen Bass is running for mayor of L.A. is the fact that she is supported by all these representatives. But she, well, she is a congressperson. Correct. Is she currently or no? No. Okay. She dropped out to run for mayor. Okay. Uh, maybe she just got tired of Congress. Shocking, right? But, Go figure. Yeah. Not not often you see that happen. So but. she's saying that progressives are her enemy. No, not, no. This uh, Nuri, whoever, was caught on a hot mic basically saying all this terrible stuff. And it is unfortunate. But This is the person who she's running against. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not surprising. People are disgusting. Like, yeah, I think you definitely me. can see a case where Kemp is going to beat Abrams and Warnock is going to beat Walker. You could very well have a split ticket in Georgia. I think okay. that's very possible. People, the Herschel Walker thing at this point, you've just got to stop with that. It's ridiculous. He looks ridiculous. It's just so, it, it's just not. The, it, the latest poll says that Warnock is up by a dozen points. Now, of course, I don't. And every time Herschel Walker opens his mouth, it's going to keep going up. It is. Like, it he is. cannot get out of his own way. I, I watched, like, one clip, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, no. I can't. I can't watch this. This is brain poison. That is not somebody. He is just, I'm sorry. That is not senatorial material. I it think just that, isn't. I think the only way, Paul, that Carrie Lake does not win in Arizona is Mark Kelly keeps his Senate seat and carries a blue ticket. I think that's the best thing that people can hope for, because Carrie Lake is really... She's a Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
Oh, that's who she is. That's a that's a future member of our CUNT club, Congresswomen in Urgent Need of Teaching. Um, we have a, a CUNT club. And, you know, I think it's important to point, point out the people that need reeducating. Yeah. And so she sounds like somebody that I would easily indoctrinate into that club. I think Walker could win. Um, I, I think that it's, um, again, why people would vote for Herschel Walker, I honestly. Just because they're voting Republican ticket. Just they're voting the Republican ticket, and he's and, I, and you know when you see when you see Dana Dana Loesch, who's the head of the uh, uh, RA, come out and her. basically say, "I don't really care because the only thing that really matters is keeping the Senate." Good, you're being honest because that is all that matters. The GOP cares about one thing: winning. That's it, and it doesn't matter how they get there. They Democrats clearly don't. No, they just say whatever they think they have to say in order to win. Don't people know that by now that that's all the GOP cares about? You literally have, it's almost like you've caught Herschel Walker in the middle of a bank robbery and they're saying, yeah, but we still want him anyway because, you know, he'll vote our way. Well, and it isn't even so much that they want him as much as they want to own the libs. Like they hate the Dems. There's a lot of anti-Dem animus. Yeah, you add it all up and it's just really, really bad. This is part of the reason why, and everyone's wondering, why has the race closed in Pennsylvania with Fetterman and us? For one reason and one reason only, because the GOP have made it their mission to lock in on that race because they know that Fetterman is dangerous. They know that he can turn the Democratic Party into a party that workers want to be in. We need a labor party. They know that he's dangerous. So that's why they're running ads nonstop for us. I'm they're having so them on happy. all the time. Well, you don't necessarily want to be happy about it. No, oh, I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it because every time he's another one that he opens his mouth, he just looks worse and worse and worse. So yes, please keep putting him out and there. there was it's an just, article that, and, and there was an article that was put out there today on uh, Fetterman, and I, I don't know if it was the Atlantic or the New Yorker or whoever wrote it, and the the the. We donated to Fetterman, by the way. Yes, I know. And the headline was to basically say the vulnerability of Fetterman. And I'm thinking, what is with you people? The vulnerability of Fetterman? He's the best candidate the Democrats have running right now. Anywhere. Period. (laughs) But no, let's talk about the fact that he had a stroke. Let's shit talk him. Yeah, let's just talk about the fact that he had a stroke. And just like Bernie had a heart attack, like these are the things they have to focus on because they can't win on any policy. And why do they want to come after Fetterman? Why secretly do they actually want Oz to win? Because Fetterman is an economic populist and they don't actually want him to win. It's why the it's why the gap is closed. Right. They now know that it is legitimate that he could actually win this seat and and keep the Senate blue, because the truth is the very wealthy and powerful people who really control this country. They will not allow this to be a Democrat victory in the midterms. They will allow for one of the one of the chambers to stay Democrat, but one of them is going to the GOP because that's how this works. We're not having it both ways. No, but somebody like Fetterman can really throw among. It's a real well, monkey in the wrench. He it, honestly, he's the anti Joe Manchin. Like that's that's the person who, like, if anybody needs to have a talk out back with Joe, I'd let John Fetterman maybe do that. That's what I'm saying. He's the person who will counteract that, that that you say you're for workers, you say you're a Democrat, but you actually represent coal owners, not coal workers. And we don't have an actual working other than Bernie, who isn't even a Democrat. The Democrats don't have anybody in the Senate that's a working class person representative. They just don't. Uh, Michael, I'm going to assume that this is a joke because... I actually think Senator Warnock is pretty decent. 
I don't think I don't think Herschel Walker is good for African. I'm not saying that. I, yeah. TM, uh, latest poll came out. Abbott is up by eight points on Beto. Look, we predicted that when Beto said he was coming for their guns. Yeah, that's that was again. the end. That was the end because the blue people in Texas are still pro Second Amendment. It's the same thing here. Like what I was saying about Chris, you have to win all of your own people to beat someone who isn't hated. Right. Like you really do. You need to have all your own people. And once he said he was coming for the guns, he lost a lot of his own people. That was it for him. That's never going to work in Texas. You have to sometimes recognize, know your audience, know your audience. I'm not saying he shouldn't be for gun control policy, but messaging is important. And that's just not the way to present that and actually be able to get elected in Texas. I've lived in Texas for six years. They, they like their guns. They're not going to have that. And most I'm talking the, the, the liberal Texans. Yeah, most people do. They hunt and they like their guns. And I have no problem with it. But you're not telling them you're coming for their guns and winning a state election there. It's never going to happen. Yeah, so not really sure which way the midterms are going to go at this point. I just think it's going to be kind we of know certain sheet. races. I think you yeah. know certain races are pretty like clear. Really not sure what to make of uh, Mandela Barnes against Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. That would obviously be great if Mandela could win that race. Ron Johnson is one of the absolute worst senators we have in this country. Uh, I think that Fetterman is the key. Um, what do you think about our state? What do you think about Val Demings and Marco Rubio? I think Val is running against the wrong person. I think if Val was running against DeSantis, it would have been a more interesting race. Uh, but, you know, Rubio's just going to hide behind DeSantis. That's all That's all he ever does. Does it, Rubio hit behind Trump in 2016, and he won his re-election easily. He'll do the same thing again. He's not hated up, enough, people. Just he's just not. Profile. Yeah. He's, and, well, actually, what's interesting, he's been poking his head out lately because I saw him commenting on some show the other day. Like, I was flipping through regular news channels. He must be very confident if he's coming out. Yeah. He was He was doing, like, he was commentating on, I forget which talking head show it was. But, yeah, which I'm like, you don't normally see him come out ever since the water. And, and I still say that the biggest mistake that the Democrats made in the state regarding Val Demings, who is the strongest candidate of the Democrats who are running, although Adam Hatter. But what I will say is that Demings would have had a much more realistic chance at winning that race if the Democrats actually had a legitimate primary for the U.S. Senate. They didn't have one. They cleared nope. the field for Val immediately. They, they coronated her. Completely. They cast aside Josh Wheel. They cast aside Alan Ellison. They cast aside Alan Grayson. They put everyone on the back burner. They said, ah, no, it's Val. Well, Goodbye. that's what they do all over the place. That's what they do at every level. That's the reason the Democrats can't get people excited and out to vote is they don't have fair primaries. They don't want real primaries. They like to coronate people and then force feed it down your throat and then guilt vote shame you into voting for them based on how scary the other side is. So they don't have real primaries. They just I gotta, don't. I got to tell you, TM, the best thing that Beto could have done after he lost to uh, Cruz, instead of running for president, which was a complete mistake, he should have run for Congress again and probably gotten his seat, taken a couple of more terms. And I'm telling you, especially with what could potentially happen in 24. You see, if if Beto had run a second time against Cruz, then you could make a very good case that he could very well beat him in a second go around, especially in a presidential election year. That's very possible. He lost to Ted Cruz. He did. First of all, I don't know how anybody can 
live losing to Ted Cruz. Like well, that to I me would I mean, be like worse than a scarlet that's letter. That's not, that's not a good answer. It's a good answer to me. Ted Cruz is the worst person Yeah, he is the worst, possible. but he's still in Texas. He's still a sitting senator and he had the full support of Trump. However, there's not everybody that absolutely knew about Beto at the time. He was a congressman from El Paso, which is fine. But again, Texas is the biggest state in the union. We're not counting Alaska because it's, again, we're talking about the continental U.S. Texas is the biggest state and there is a hell of a lot of ground to cover. He did a very good job of that and he had a lot of money and he absolutely could have won. He made a lot of foolish statements and whether or not that would have been the difference in winning a few hundred thousand more voters over to get Cruz out of the U.S. Senate, maybe it's possible. But I would say that if he was smart, he very well could have rewritten his case as a potential statewide elected once again, had he probably very likely ran for U.S. Congress again, and he probably would have won in 2020 if he decided to do that and would be tracking right now to run against Cruz again. That, to me, was the trajectory if he was willing to check his ego at the door. But no, Beto decided, I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate, lose to Ted Cruz, and then I'm going to go run for president as a result of that. If that's not ego and self, you know, just self-indulgence, I don't know what is. Um, Michael Pant, a lot of Democrats are bootlicking their constituents by not supporting reparations, Medicare for all, et cetera. I completely agree. But that's the overall trend. Democrats are running to the right. They keep thinking that if they go towards they think that what people want is people in the center and they're moving to the right. We have Val Demings in some ways is running right of Marco Rubio. She's coming out like all but like with the law enforcement stuff. And that's the Democrat. So it, it's not just those two issues, although, yeah, that most people will never say anything about reparations. I'm happy to. Um, and Medicare for all. You're seeing some more people getting on with that. But in general, Democrats are running to the right and they need to be going further to the left in order to be able to beat the actual right. That's you know why problem. you know why Texas won't succeed? Dirtbag leftists. Very simple, because there's this thing called the federal government that prints its own money. And as much as Texas thinks that it can survive without it, remember modern monetary theory, the federal government is not funded by taxpayers. The federal government creates its own currency and we pay taxes. Texas couldn't survive. Correct. That's just the reality. So, they couldn't survive. They act like they would really leave. But the truth is they couldn't possibly do it. And neither could anybody else. They might think that they could, but, you know. Yeah. That was the death knell for better. Yeah, it's just not, it's just really stupid marketing. Very good. Not to mention, it's also kind of not reasonable policy as well. But that's another issue. That's correct. You yeah. are either corporate or non-corporate. That is the difference. And at this point, a lot of people really need to accept that. Well, and I think that, you know, and I say it all the so, yeah, time. We love you too, babe. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, guys, we're having, there's an uprising happening. It's yeah. happening. It's happening all around the world. It's and you happening. Can't deny, you can't deny it. Anymore. No, it's happening. So here's the question. You're going to have it on the right or you're going to have it on the left. It doesn't happen in the center. And the problem is the Democrats think that they can beat the right in the center. It's not going to work. No. The only way you can beat right wing fascism is by left wing socialism, dare I say it. And I'm not talking about right and left political party wise. I'm talking about philosophical left and right. And that is just how this works. Yeah. So you're not going to stick somebody like a centrist down our throats and that's going to beat someone like Ron DeSantis. No. It's never going to happen. No, it's not. And they just, if you're trying to win, 
you know, again, this is the problem. This is why you have to cut off the head of the snake. You know, it's again, our snake in Florida is Debbie Wasserman Schultz, but there's a lot of others that are out there in various parts of the country that are doing exactly this. There is no excuse for Manny Diaz. Sorry, Lourdes, if you see this, but Manny Diaz being in charge of our state party. None. Well, they put him there just like they appoint candidates. It's Correct. the same thing. There's so no democracy. So here, I mean, we have, a, we have a good friend that's down here that I like. Don't make much, fun of Joe. But he likes to I say, we Joe. need our own billionaire. No, you don't. That's not the answer. Either you run on principle or you don't run at all. Because if you're just going to say, well, we need our own billionaire, then you're basically saying. We have nothing. We have nothing. We're, <laughs> just, we're just running on the other side of the same coin. Which is the truth. That is what they are. So until they become not that, they will continue to be not winning because you cannot counter the right with the middle. That's just not how this works. So and yeah, I said socialist. I did. I said that because that is the counterbalance to fascism is socialism. One thing I'm going to say, and we'll close with this. One thing that Michael Pan is absolutely correct about is that if you think that the Democratic establishment, the Democratic Party leaders do not hate blacks as much as the GOP leaders do. You are either not paying attention or you are willfully ignorant on purpose. You need to stop listening because to people if, like Jim Clyburn. Because of what just happened in Los Angeles is any indication. Do you know how long the Democratic Party has controlled the greater city of Los Angeles? Do you know how long it's been since that city has seen any semblance of a livable city in significant portions of Watts, Englewood and Compton? It's been this way since 1968 and probably even earlier than that. Uh, why do people think Democrats are good on these issues? Do I need to get Margaret to come back on and just, well, Margaret's oh, coming on Saturday. Saturday. But um, if you haven't read Margaret Kimberly's book, Prejudential, I highly recommend it. And you will see that it is not a partisan thing as to how we treat black people. Uh, that is a class thing. It's an elitist thing. It's a corporatist thing. And they keep us fighting amongst ourselves. It's if you tell the white people that are poor that you'll give them a little something, but they're better than the black people, then they'll constantly be kicking down. That's how this works. But it's it's not it's um, not a Democrat or Republican thing. Thank you, DeFreak. We remember you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Much appreciated. I support reparations for the most basic reason ever. When you owe money, you, owe you pay money. My parents taught me this. It's I was talking to my mom the other night. I'm like, you know how you taught me you just pay your debts? You just do. You pay your debt. It's that simple. Manopoly, I'm going to highly recommend, because I'm guessing you probably haven't really dug into it, but I am highly going to recommend that you at least do a little research on modern monetary theory. Yeah. And at least become familiar with the concept of what issuing your own currency actually means and who actually pays for X, this is Y, how, and Z. Wait, no. This is how I see it. It's true. They the de Well, it's like the Democrats... They'll stab you in the back when the Republicans are stabbing you in the front. It's just it's the same thing because they all work for the same people. They all work for the same people. And the people at the top hedge their bets. They pay both parties to, to handle what they need, which is corporatism. That's Correct. that's what it's about. It doesn't matter. The parties is just a facade. That's the problem. They don't stand for anything. So we just got confirmation. We've got a handful of good shows lined up. So. We hope you guys will join us, obviously, on Wednesday night because we do have a very uh, good show that will include. Um, we're going to have to adjust the time 
But we will. Uh, we're going to have Jamal Thomas. We'll do better going later. I yeah. think a lot of people come on later. Yeah, I've true. noticed that. I just yeah, I don't know. I if you it. guys think that we should be starting at like eight thirty, nine o'clock and, and going to like ten thirty, you know, if you think we, that we can. I mean, we can. It's, you know, if that's better for viewership. And that's fine with us. So be it. If I have and, to be like, you know, scrubbing my face at midnight. Oh, you poor thing. Such talk about first world problems. No, I know. I'm uh, just I'm older. But what I will, but what I will say, which I think is important, is that we are not only going to have a conversation with Jamal Thomas, um, but we're going to also talk about what needs to be done as far as this sort of non-corporate left coalition or just non-corporate coalition in general. You know, you guys know Osiris from Stuck in the Middle. He's not corporate. He's no. just trying to find solutions. And we don't agree on everything. Jamal Thomas, same deal. So he will come on and we will talk to him about that. We are also having an awesome friend of the show and candidate for the U.S. Congress in California's 29th district, Angelica Duenez, who apparently has a very big update oh, regarding yes. her campaign that may actually put her in a position to potentially pull this And guys, she's a great candidate. I remember. Yeah, she's. we've had her on before and there has been a very interesting twist to her candidacy and her campaign out there that's been very interesting. The other thing I will also mention, just got confirmation, our awesome friend of the show, Jordan Sheraton, will be our special guest on Monday, giving us an update on what's currently going on with the second attempt at a unionization of an Amazon warehouse, this one up in Albany, New York. So that yes, will be Yes, TM, Angelica Duenas. So definitely check that out. And if you guys haven't already, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a wonderful supporter of our show. $10 a month will get you the Marlon Mansion Parliamentarian. Uh, oh, and you also get the Lulu sticker, guys. This is just something I, I this is what I do. This is what happens when I play around on Canva is I come up with fun things. But anyway, I just figured, like, why wouldn't we just vote for the two people that seem to have the most power? in the party because apparently those two people are the reason we can't have a living wage and we can't have the infrastructure that we want so if these people are that powerful let's put them in drill charge dance uh exotic dancers are unionizing as well yeah it's happening everywhere why not i'd be happy to interview anybody in any unionization situation and yeah dancers should unionize if there's a group of people that are being mistreated in employment and don't have representation or advocacy then yeah they should all band together and fight against improper conditions, whatever your industry is, because nobody should be treated that way. And finally, if you happen to become a $25 a month, super duper awesome Patreon, you get the, well, the here comes the sun generational change baseball shirt. And last and certainly, but not least, we also are huge advocates, as you guys know, for small business. So if you are so inclined to become a $50 a month Patreon, which of course would be for your small business, if you want to promote it, we are very pleased as has been, this is our first month with a wonderful small business, Apex Insurance Agency, home, auto, and even life insurance. Why is this important? Well, it is based in Delray Beach and in Florida. Very, very important for those who have unfortunately been affected by Hurricane Ian. You don't want to be dealing with the big box corporations when it comes to collecting insurance payments. However, if you go with a small business like Apex Insurance Agency, you're much more likely to get your payout for your coverage. That is why we highly recommend you check them out. And again, one small business for a particular line of work. So if you are thinking about promoting your small business on our show, we will pluck it every single time. Again, I'm really looking for that taco truck. Yeah. That would be the most ideal business. Like, honestly, I would be like your best salesperson ever. Like nobody would be better promoting a taco truck than me. 
I can't think of anybody who'd be better at promoting a taco. Let me tell you something, guys. Strippers should have a union. Why? Because what they do is actually not very safe. No. If you haven't noticed. Anybody who is being improperly treated in their workplace should be able to join together and demand better conditions. So I don't care what your industry is. A lot of men who, a lot of people just in general, who own strip joints, they're either mobbed up or they're pimps. Here's the thing. If people were treated properly where they work, right. they wouldn't need to unionize. Like they wouldn't feel that. Like if everybody was just treated properly and had a living wage and had good, like all of that, people wouldn't necessarily be banding together to rile together to, you know, rise up against their oppressor. Like it happens because people aren't being treated properly, not the other way around, you know? And so, yeah, if somebody's conditions are thus that they need to, uh, rise up together, then all the power to them. I also wear anybody's rights to get proper working conditions. Yeah. You know, I don't care what it is you do. And I, you know, all the power to strippers. Thing with strippers. Okay. So I, Tia, I support legalized prostitution. I, I'm for anything consenting adults want to do that doesn't hurt anybody else. If a taco truck wants to be sponsored on our show, we would uh, obviously welcome that. Uh, so, yeah. So basically $600 is for the entire year. Uh, get you a t-shirt and ad. What about sponsor? Hey, look, if there's TM, if there's something that you want to promote on our show, by all means. TM, you can just come on our show because you want to come on and we'll just have a chat. We'd love to have you on. You've been extremely supportive. Yes, so absolutely. honestly, you could come on and promote whatever you want. Six hundred dollars for the whole year? Oh, well, you know, we'll definitely promote whatever you want. Yeah. That, I mean, within the within the bounds of what we find moral, yes. Yes, of course. We could, you know, if Where, you want us to promote, you know, some type like of like I wouldn't take health insurance people or whatever. Like or if you're gonna be promoting some type of a, you know, hit squad or something like that, no, no, I don't think we could do that. No, it has to be something that we think is yes. But and you know, but I'll pretty much promote anything that's uh, amongst consenting adults. And finally, if you do not want to be putting your credit card on file and you do not want to be checked constantly, you can just go to Cash App as our wonderful friend TM does do when she contributes to our channel. Dollar sign Gen Change. Contribution and obviously supporting our show is very much appreciated. Oh, and we have the bags. Oh, we showed those right. These are the homeless care packages. We're going to be helping out with. I'm calling them. I'm not calling them out anymore because I'm not saying homeless anymore. It's they're first of all, they're houseless, but I'm just calling them hygiene care packs. They're just hygiene care packs. Um, It could be for anybody because right now there's people that have been, have their houses flooded and are living in shelters and whatever that they're not. Well, now they're temporarily houseless. But so I just think that they're just. Individual hygiene kits. There are little hygiene kits that are helpful, but I do hand them out regularly when people come up with often other things. Right. Um, and those are all things that I get from the proceeds of this show. Uh, we have helped community gardens. We help the mobile school pantry. We donate to non-corporate candidates. And we did donate to John Fetterman. We'll leave on this note. Metaopoly, the solution is a hybrid system of of capitalism and socialism. There are countries all over the world that have this, including Scandinavia, Germany, Japan, the UK. It's everywhere. New Zealand. New Zealand. There's a lot of countries, actually. Yeah, it's all over the place, really. It's not that complicated. Here's the thing. I have no problem with capitalism for non-essentials. Essential things that are for the general welfare 
of humanity cannot be for profit. That's a problem. That's the neoliberalism where we try to privatize and profitize everything. It's just over the top. It's excessive. We can have people being able to make money and profits. There are very wealthy people that live in places like Denmark and Finland. Correct. Very wealthy people. Sure of it. And yet they have a basic standard of living and a, and a life thing there that they guarantee to people that's with human dignity. So we can have rich people and capitalism where they're making money and still have a basic social safety net for the poor. I am not concerned with how rich the rich get. I'm concerned with the least of these. I agree. So that's what we're talking about. So capitalism just on non-essential things. Fine. Have at it. I don't care. But healthcare, education and corrections uh, off the table. And no matter what anyone wants to convince you of otherwise, the most prosperous years in our nation's history, which was from the beginning of FDR to the assassination of JFK, top marginal tax rate in 1933 went up from about, I want to say it was in the 20s, 20 some odd percent to 91 percent. Yeah, I knew it was over 90. You know when it got taken down? When Jack was assassinated. And then eventually it got to Reagan when it was sitting at 72%. And somehow over the course of seven years, he managed to drop it down to 28%. And that is where the- That's where it went camp, to That's crap. where the wealth camp comes from. That's, that's where it is. That's when you started seeing the percentages from the highest paid person, from the CEO of a company and the lowest paid, when that discrepancy has gotten so wide. So what? It used to be what, like 25 times? It was like, like there was a 30 point- times. 30 times higher the top person in a company in the bottom. Now and it's now over it's like, 300 times. That's just, just crazy. It's it's obscene. It is. It's obscene. And you all have to agree on that. And no, and quite honestly, if you don't, I just don't care. Because the thing is, again, if we were in a functioning republic and this yeah. was a majority rule thing, then you would be in the minority position on that. So the majority of people think that wealthier people should be paying more. I don't think any of the billionaires could ever have possibly become that without being on the backs of people taking advantage of their workers, fucking the environment and skirting their taxes. The freak is absolutely correct. That is what Medicare for all is. Despite what anybody else wants you to believe, it is government-funded health care. And I don't know when people say that. First of all, why do we call it government-funded? It's us-funded. Correct. That's us. The people, government is us. single-payer. That's it's, what it is. It's, we, we are paying not, for we collectively. Do, we do not want the government running our health care. No. Anyone who tells you that. No, we don't want the VA. Correct. In fact, if we had really good just universal single-payer health care, I would suggest we get rid of the VA. I think you, could have, it. you wouldn't need it. Everybody would just have health care. I would suggest that there should always be special facilities like for help for veterans that need things. I'm just saying it wouldn't have to be there are hospitals that are so disgusting. Oh, my God. The VA hospitals, people, you honestly. The most fiscally responsible ridiculous. way to run a health care system is single payer. It's been proven all over the world. Yeah. It's really not complicated. And even though I would say the Canadian system is one of the weaker single payer systems around the world, it's still twice as good as ours. Like that's, that's the thing when people argue that like, yeah. well, they don't like it either. And they don't like, okay, but it's still better than this. Correct. So let's try something better. If you guys knew how good the healthcare system was in a country with a very functioning economy like France or a country with a not so functioning economy like Italy, let me tell they you, would they would never trade their health care in a million years 
No. And it isn't just also healthcare. It's how we treat just families in general. So I wanted to just tell you guys. So I have a friend that I grew up with and she has three kids and her oldest son was born when she was living in Spain. And so she was living in Spain. That's where she met her husband. So this is an American person of like white privilege that was living in Spain and she had her baby there. And there were things that were much more rustic in terms of there were no private rooms. It was fairly communal, but the care was so much better. She's like, she, when she came here, the other two births for her were nowhere near the same experience as what she had there and how they treat new mothers and how you get time off and all of those things that are part of just overall health of a society, right? Like all of that's part of health, how we treat parenthood, how we give people all of it. And our country sucks ass. And all of those countries are just better collectively at caring for their people. It's that it's, it's really not complicated. I'm just saying. Yeah. So and ultimately, the conservative argument with the whole thing about the fatherlessness and all this stuff, we are, again, the goal of a living wage is that you don't have a welfare state. You don't have people literally right. sitting on their ass. One of the big reasons people sit on their ass in this country is because the government pays them more because the government is owned by mega corporations who don't want to pay a living wage. That's it. This is this really is one plus one equals two. It's really that simple. If corporations didn't own our government, they would have to pay a living wage and have negotiation tactics. We can have a conversation at a later date. We got to go, but we got a conversation later date regarding immigration and how right now the reason why the floodgates are open at the southern border is because you have workers in this country who are standing up for themselves and they're saying, okay, so you know what we'll do? We'll just open the floodgates and allow people in who are not part of this culture, who don't understand anything and are scared shitless of being either going back to where they're from or being outed or labeled as being, you know, aliens in the United States will let you work. We will let you if work. You, don't, you have dollars. to see the connection between immigration policy and how we treat our working people. Correct. They're completely inter- interchangeable. Like, Locked yeah. In. Like a Vita. I know. That's what dictates all of it. It has nothing to do with anything else other than sort of like controlling the economy. Yep. That's it. So if you guys are not out there supporting labor, you're missing the point big time. You know, it's funny, like people want to have their cake and eat it too. There's no one way to do things. Like, so for example, in Finland, right, they don't have a minimum wage. Nope. They, they don't, don't, need, don't need one because they have extremely strong unions there. So their their collective bargaining is strong enough that they don't need a minimum wage. So that's like We don't need all of these things. We need something. That's like there has to be some. We need a jobs guarantee with a living wage. We need things to get like it's not that they are running out of excuses. They don't have anything else. Now they're just trying to pretend like they're really that. Oh my god, guys! That's what they're counting on. That's what. That's not how this works. No, we have inflation because of corporate greed. It's it's gouging. Mm -hmm. We have we have inflation because of price gouging. And so. If there's one thing you guys should all take away from this chat tonight, we've got a lot of like libertarians and conservatives here, and they overwhelmingly agree on the principal issues that we are all fighting for. When the second you get into the wedge issues and the culture war crap, that's when this country gets divided. If you stay focused on economic populism, that actually gives a shit about workers. Pay attention to this chat and you'll learn a lot about the mindset of almost everybody in this country right now. Right. This is where we need to be. Not the overwoke people that are sitting there focusing on. Again, I'm not saying that hate 
stuff is not important. It is. But it's always done to divide and conquer. Correct. Always. It needs always to be will. done. Yeah. It, that Those are the kinds of things that need to be dealt with non-politically. Those are the kinds of things that need to absolutely be dealt with. But you can't legislate morality in that way. And all you're doing is pushing the right further to the right. Like, it's just the. There are so many people that vote Republican because the Democrats are so annoying to them. Correct. They can't like they're so annoying. And I see I have often said that if the Democratic Party was the party of labor, but really the party of the Jimmy Hoffa's of the world, the real rugged, the, even the John Fetterman of the world. If that's who was the face of the Democratic Party, people would feel a lot more comfortable being in that party. When the party, of the, when the face of the Democratic Party is somebody like Deborah Messing, you've got a real problem in terms of how to attract people into the party. That's a big part of it. People understand that Hollywood is in the Democratic Party. It's just they don't want Hollywood running the Democratic Party. And you know what? I agree with them. Well, they just come off as very elitist. They and are. I think, well, they are elitist. And it's They're not, it's, saying, it's it's not, not it's the anti-labor. Like it. It's anti-labor. Like, they have the right talking points, but they don't walk the walk. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. They don't walk the walk. I Yeah. They're not friends. And when people say things like, look, when you say things, why don't we move if America's so terrible? Well, should, honestly, to be in all sincerity, if I didn't have children, I would have been living in Costa Rica a long time ago. Like, not a doubt in my mind. Oh, well. So, but anyway, but I think that we have an obligation to the, to our kids to try to make this better for them. So for me to just be complacent because, you know, why shut up or get out, that just doesn't make sense. Then we would never get anywhere. We would never have progress. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, we're glad you all enjoyed. But hey, we're going to ask you all for a task going into our show on Wednesday. Here's a thought. I'm sure a lot of you guys watch other shows, whether it is Secular Talk, Breaking Points, Status Coup, or even shows like Tim Pool, Stephen Crowder, wherever you're watching. If you know somebody in the chat, recommend that they come over on Wednesday night and check out what we're talking about. You might be surprised. They might actually. Like it's going to be way over my head so I can use all the help I can get from people because I think, you know, Jamaro really knows like foreign policy stuff and he knows his stuff. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, like really deep Ukraine conversation. Yeah. So we hope that you guys. Uh, and then next Saturday. Next Saturday. Uh, I think we may actually have the slide. Did Last we? thing before we go. So for Jen, this is very important. This is very important. Please let make. everybody know what is coming up on Saturday. It might only be three panels. We're waiting to see if we get the fourth one put together. If it is three, then we will get the fourth one put together at the another time. The most important person, for those of you who want to hear from the horse's mouth about the most controversial issue that just happened very recently, Jen's friend, Katie Halper, will be here, along with Rania Kalik of Breakthrough News, to talk about... Uh, not just what happened with Katie, obviously, but how the media, how the media handles this topic, any how the type media of talks about Israel, Israel, any dissent. Um, and then I also want to talk with them about the whole just First Amendment issue that uh, this all this anti BDS legislation. It's a massive problem that we're not talking about enough. And when you start to talk about it, you get labeled as anti-Semitic. So I have a lot of issues. Um, I'm probably going to come on a little early and have like an introduction to this because this is very hard for me. Like none of this has been easy for me. Um, I grew up very Zionist and, and this has been very difficult. Like <laughs> it's very inconvenient, a lot of this. So this is hard. But um, yeah, we have three different panels confirmed that we're going to be talking with. Um, the first one is going to be like history of Zionism, basic information as to how we have been misinformed. 
and that we need to have facts. We need to all be on the same facts. Everybody can have their own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. So we're going to have like basically a history of the region and history of Zionism 101. Then the second group will be how the media handles this. That will be Rhonda Kalik, Katie Halper, and Walker Bragman, um, which will be an amazing discussion. Mm -hmm. And then our third panel will be the connection and the intersection between uh, Black liberation and uh, Palestinian movement. There is a very strong correlation between those groups. And I think that very oftentimes, just like we throw anti-Semitism around, like we just don't like when somebody doesn't agree with us, we call them anti-Semitic. And we, as Jewish people, we were raised that there were certain people in the black community that we labeled as such. And now when I see that connection, I realize how important it is, the connection between um, the, the black liberation movement in this country and the fight for all oppressed people. And I, I, I just, I see it very differently now. So anyway, those three panels are confirmed. If we are able to put together our fourth panel, yay. If we're not, maybe we'll be able to do it another time as part of the series. Um, but this is very important stuff, guys. And I feel like this, this very well could be the hill I die on. And I, when I was saying before, like, would I stand up for people? Would I do what was right during segregation? Would I be courageous enough to say this is wrong when the majority of my friends and family think it's right? Would I do that? This is that for me. And it's no. really big deal. I don't think people understand, like, it isn't even the political thing. Like, I have family members that will not talk to me after this. I'm sure of it. Like, it's a big deal. So um, I just, Yeah. Oh just, my God. I have to put it out there. I'm done. Yeah. And I will say this. Um, I will not watch The Hill anymore. What they did to Katie was beyond unacceptable. And I think Ryan Grimm might have quiet quit because I didn't see him on Friday. And that's the one day that he goes. I was going to I was kind of wondering how he was sort of the mental gymnastics of that. But you see, Ryan Grimm is a real professional. He doesn't need to announce to the world that, hey, I'm not showing up on Rising anymore. He I'm doesn't need to take a stand. Yeah, he's just like, okay, well, then I guess I'm just not going to. I don't know. We don't know one way or the other what happened. But I, when this all happened with her, I remember thinking, I wonder how Ryan is going to do like sort of the, the mental gymnastics about that. Because he, he has integrity in what he does. So I don't know. I, everyone has to do what works for them. But guys, check this out. This series, it's, it's going to be some very inconvenient truths for people. And I appreciate that. It's not easy doing this work. No. Um, it's it's been very very hard. Like there there could be crying. <laughs> like it's very very hard for me. Like I almost was wondering if I should put up pictures of me that I have from me when I was in Israel because I have a lot of guilt now about a lot of stuff. Thank you, Ah. Really appreciate that. Thank and Metopoly, uh, considering the person whose name you just referenced, uh, take a look at our catalog, and we have a couple of videos on that person. You may have a different opinion about that person after. You and see by it. the way, I am also vehemently anti-war and vehemently pro-speech. So like if, if you want to like don't base I'm not saying that that anything one way or the other about him, but those two characteristics in and of itself, not that there are a dime a dozen, but there are many of us. I am extremely like free speech. I don't think we should have deplatformed Alex Jones. I didn't agree with deplatforming Trump. We fully support Julian Assange. Oh, okay. that's we should be building monuments to Julian Assange. I think all the monuments were taking down from like, you know, like. Columbus and 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 civil you know like civil war people from the south and all that I think we should be building monuments to people that are actual heroes that's what I think yeah so again uh great chat hope you guys will all join us on Wednesday Metalopoly, I, gotta, I have no beef with 2a neither do I no beef 
We have we have the we either you support the Constitution or you do not. But I would posture to a lot of people that are just avid blanket two A supporters. I would argue: Were you as concerned with four, five, and six when we lost them to the Patriot Act? And uh, then also, the fact is, a lot of those libertarian types, yeah, they are. They were, but a lot of the two A people, that, and we know that there's a certain sect of people that are those people. It's like, do you realize that the reason we have two A is to protect? One, four, five, six. Like that's the whole point is to protect those. And we've lost a bunch of those already. So I'm just saying we got to keep our eye on all of that. You know, if we had a platform where we had 124, 224 people watching live at any one time. I think I'd cry. We could probably get a lot of things done because this chat, I think, is emblematic of a lot of the things that really needs to happen. Well, if we could grow, if we really could grow. No, you know what? I'm not going to wrap because you're hungry. If you want to leave, you can leave. That's what I'm saying to you. But no, what I was going to say is the more people that watch, the bigger the network becomes. That's what it would mean. Because we've the, a lot of the people we have are from cross-pollinating. So imagine if we had 10 times as many people, can you imagine how many, like how big that web would be? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how this works. That's how we're going to get things done. And people have to suck it up and sometimes work with people that maybe you don't agree with on everything. But it, it's like we cannot have purity tests for everything or get things done. It's just not going to work. There's too many different people. Good point. So anyway, guys, check out the stuff coming up. Thanks for the support. Thanks to small business neighbor Apex. You guys have been great. Hope to see you Wednesday. Bye, all Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.